There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Today is September 1st, 2020. I am alongside the great Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, yo. What up? Uh, it's questions from the audience. It's a. Uh, it's really the podcast now. And uh, Gangster Pete and I field your questions. We did get another erotic story this week, Gangster really? Pete. Yep, wow. Not from Deebs, though. Deeb's really kind of set the tone last week. <laughs> this one could be hotter, maybe. I don't know. I see that it starts off by saying, hey, Tim, hey, Smoke, I was cucked by a lesbian. That sounds hotter. So I'm intrigued, but I don't know where it's going to go. So uh, we will find out. A lot of political uh, emails uh, over the last week since we recorded our last sode. So we'll dig into that. Um, and then we'll get into uh, discussing politics on TMA and then a poll question I posted on the TMA fan page, which had a major shift in results. So all of that is coming your way. I want to make sure that I thank and ask the audience to support the sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Those sponsors are Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, thehomeloanexpert.com, which is where I refinanced in April. And I'm so grateful that I did and also speak glowingly about how easy it was. And here's the thing. I wanted to refinance. I was instructed to refinance. Um, and if you were to refinance now, you would save even higher percentages than I did in April because the rates continued to drop. Ryan was on TMA talking about how he can't believe it because they never thought they would be saying, we can close rates in the threes. Well, now they're closing rates in the twos. You can do that right now with the homeloanexpert.com. And as somebody who has done it, I can tell you it is so easy. And then what happens, and I'm sure you've had this happen in life, where you go, wow, I wish I would have done that sooner. That is exactly what you'll feel like after you're done refinancing with Ryan Kelly because you'll, you'll be like, that was so simple and it just saved me a bunch of money. TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly, sponsor of our studios. In addition to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Jim Rogers of Restoration One, and Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling Online at DesignAirService.com. The number one train dealer in the Midwest, the official HVAC provider, the Ryan Kelly Morning After, and of the Tim McKernan Show. Just installed a 16-seer train air conditioning unit in our home last month, and it is incredible. Can control the temperature in our home from our phone, and it is just firing air, and it makes it so perfect in the house. It is a huge difference. Um, and you can get 0% financing for 48 months from this. So it is uh, a major recommendation. Plus, Design Air is who you want to go to anytime you have heating and cooling issues, you need repairs, you need a new unit. DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. And Seth Goldcamp and his family have been taking care of St. Louisans since 1904. Gangster Pete, what are you looking forward to discussing? What are you looking forward to not discussing? I'm setting the table with Gangster Pete. Uh, I mean, I'm open to anything. I'm not too stoked about all the political stuff that's coming. Yeah, I know. It's just kind of a bummer, but... Yeah, I know. I, mean, I kind of want to get into the weeds on it, even though... I don't know. We'll get into the weeds on it, but I'm <laughs> going to start with the lesbian thing. 
Cool. Uh, because I'm intrigued by it. It's going to put me in a good mindset. Hey, Tim. Hey, Smoke. Tim, I was cucked by a lesbian. <laughs> After I got done with athletics, I had to replace my addiction with something, so I taught myself how to play guitar. A couple of years later, I was in a band and doing small tours around the country in the summertime. Non-famous bands, barely making enough for gas and food, but it is always a fun road trip, and you plan the cities around who will let you crash on the couch. This particular story takes place in Dallas. We played a laundromat slash bar called the Bar of Soap. There were like 10 people there, but they paid us in booze, which was cool because we had a place to crash and free food. The person we stayed with was a college friend, and her apartment complex had a pool. We were enjoying the pool with some beers when this absolute tornado of a gal came firing out of her apartment, screamed, Fuck that guy. I'm done wasting my life on a loser. I just want to get drunk and fuck. My eyes lit up like Clark W. Griswold when the Christmas lights worked. So she and her roommate joined us in the pool. This was shaping up to be a golden opportunity. As unbelievable as this sounds, she is waiting in the pool with us, talking about how she was glad to be single and could not believe she got a boob job for that loser. We were firing on that gal like the lone girl that wanders into a Hot Shots live event. Who TMA Live said. I was the I was lucky Pierre that day. So we start to make out in the pool and we decide to take it to her apartment. We start getting after it a bit when the door flies open. It's her roommate. She tells the girl that she is too drunk and going to make a mistake and to go get a glass of water. While she was in the other room, her roommate told me that she had been waiting for a year for them to break up so she could make her move and I was fucking it all up. <laughs> So here I am watching, not a potted plant to be found. I was hoping to be invited for more. I was not. They ignored me for about two minutes, and then the roommate asked what I was still doing there. The girl said, to be nice, he can stay. And then the roommate said, no, he has to go. I tucked my tail and left. That's from Dave. Here is a pick from the show, but not a pick of the gal. Oh, I was really hoping as I scrolled down, I saw a picture that I was going to see the picture of the girl. Yeah, I was like, let me. Oh. So, so what's so? I'm trying to follow this. How many girls are involved in this? There's two. There's two. Two roommates. The one broke up with her boyfriend. She's ready to get after it. Right. He uh, hits it off with her, but her roommate was secretly in love with her the whole time. Wow. And so she comes in and then blocks. And her. then doesn't want right the M in the FFM. Right. She wants him gone. Wow. Wow, 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 That's a bad beat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of heart. I feel heartbreak for you. I'm kind of rattled, actually, right now. I am I feel heartbreak because I'm living that fight because I can kind of picture, even though I don't know how old Dave is, I'm kind of picturing that time, and it's so wonderful. And the synapse, you know what I picture? I picture the feeling of synapses firing. I can feel the synapses firing, and you think it's going to happen. And the hardest crash is somebody who's not done hard drugs. Um, the hardest crash is when you think something is going to happen and then it doesn't. He got a little taste too. It I know. Worse. <sighs> wow. I'm really, I'm, you know, I mean, listen, Deeb's story last week was uplifting. <laughs> this story this week, it, it, it's heartbreak. I don't know. I feel bad for you, Dave. I really do. And I'm kind of picturing it. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, and here's what I'm picturing. I don't know. What, what are you picturing? Uh, like as far as the, what the girls look like, this because I'm I got well based I gotta, on his story. I like to picture that they're both very beautiful. Yeah, well, of course I'm thinking that, but I'm thinking they're kind of 
It's kind of like I'm picturing like the 2000s and kind of like naturally beautiful, you know, kind of girl next door. Yeah. And, you know, just open and free and ready to go. It takes me back to being in college. You know, the first time you hook up with a girl, it's real exciting. And then it got just crushed right away. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling for Dave here. Uh, well, send your erotic stories in. Hopefully they're more uplifting. But it sounds like maybe we have a theme here with Deebs and with Dave. Uh, Deebs wasn't necessarily crushed so much as he just was in the wrong spot on the anatomy. But uh, <laughs> with, with Dave, we thought I really thought this was going wonderfully. And then all of a sudden, although I guess it starts out by saying I was cucked by a lesbian, but I thought it might lead to him being behind the potted plant. Uh, email in anything you want. Questions, comments, erotic stories. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. All right. I, po I only posted right like at the 9 o'clock hour on the fan page, so we shouldn't have too many there. The first post under my post is the Plowhawk saying, speak to me, tell me what you see, which is just wonderful. I was texting with the Plowhawk during the show. What today. was the, what the Plowhawk have to say? Uh, we're just trying to meet up to play golf or something. Shave some strokes? Yeah. Um, so it's wonderful to hear from the Plowhawk. Speak to me. Tell me what you see. A wonderful drop as well. Uh, this question comes from Jonathan. If you get your wish of spending six months in Jupiter and six months in St. Louis, how would you handle school? Uh, it's a great question. Um, with regard to my son, I thought about that. Um, I, part of my answer, which may sound like a hedge, it's not intended to, is I wonder what school's going to look like in general for the next couple of years, which then kind of gets to the theme of a couple of our last podcast, Pete, which I brought to TMA, which then will get us into our political discussion. Um, but I'm just not sure that there is going to be a return to 2019 in 2021. I'm not saying that there won't be. Holy shit, I hope that there is. I'm just saying I'm not sure that there is. And I think and I don't know if it's part of the human condition, and by the human condition, I mean people just don't want to think of the worst-case scenario. As I said when we, I was talking about, you know, somewhat metaphorically, winter is coming, but it actually is literal in the sense that the worst part is coming still um, with regard to people being in ho inside and places not being open or having occupancy limits, and you can't go outside and do stuff when it's winter, uh, in addition to social unrest and the election and so on and so forth. That I also think that people just assume, oh, well, you know, baseball season next year or hockey season next year. And I'm kind of like, well, why would just because it's next year mean that there'll be 45,000 people at Bush Stadium? I don't know how likely that is. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm just saying I don't know how likely it is. Um, and so applying that to things that are, you know, certainly more necessary in life, such as school, I don't know. I think, I think the world. I think we will look back on 2020 and potentially a period of years, but 2020 and say this that is common now was born out of the pandemic as a byproduct. Um, it, so something that is more like, in, like what we consider commonplace in 2030 was not commonplace in 2019, but it became commonplace in 2020 because of the pandemic and believe it or not, but in 2019 and all the years beforehand, people used to go into an office and go, what, what what's that? Or, or people used to go into school or people, you know, used to pack stadiums. I don't know. I don't know if, if I listen. I hope that's not the case to be clear. I hope it's not the case, but I wonder about it. 
I really, I think if I had to put what I think is most likely of those, I think the office element is going to forever drastically be reduced because if anything, it is just an excuse for businesses to reduce expense. And anytime a business has an opportunity to do that, whether it's truly right or it just can be used as an excuse, the business is most likely going to do that. So I think that is, that is a real thing. And I don't know if, how much we're going to see change there. Um, I think sporting events will return. I think certainly think, and I think restaurants will return if not major issue. But, um, with regard to school, I, 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 you could have spots where remote learning is much more common. And so if that were the case, then that, that could, that could change the game. I'll say this, and this is, you know, speaking of somebody with now a three-year-old and I hear from parents who have kids who are, you know, going to, whether it be a private high school or a college and they're like, yeah, my son or daughter is going to this place and it costs tens of thousands of dollars a year for this school, this university. And they're, they're in my house learning remotely. And I'm going, what am I, you know, what am I getting for this? Um, so I wonder about that. I wonder about that whole element. So I don't have a good answer. Like if, if it were 2019, I don't know. I mean, our thought process has always been through four years old. If we can do it, we would go down to Jupiter and then that would probably would come to an end. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Gangster Pete, your thoughts. I already got friends that are losing their shit over the remote learning. Like, really? It's, it's terrible. My buddy is like, man, I, I've, I just sent 15 emails with my kid's music teacher about some music assignment. He's like, it's like another job. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're, they've got good jobs and then they have to teach Tend their, to this. their two kids and they, they can't wait till everybody's back in school. And then another friend, uh, I guess one of the kids tested positive for COVID. So the whole class now is going remote for two weeks. Really? Yeah. So now they everybody has to re, redo their whole schedule for that. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. So that's the thing. I mean, it's a great question, but I guess I'm applying it to current times, and I wonder about that. Uh, you know, right now, uh, not in school, so, you know, if, if it's in play. But, you know, so, I mean, to, to play it out for 2020 and 2021, I don't know if there's going to be spring training. Now, me being down there, it's just kind of like a convenient thing. Yeah, the Cardinals are there. And so we do shows from there and then I do the podcast and do interviews with the Cardinals there. So it helps, but, uh, and it's in the Eastern time zone, you know, so I couldn't do this. I mean, I guess I could do it in a Las Vegas or a Scottsdale or California, but, um, you know, I'm getting up at what three in the morning ish. So, you know, from a quality of life standpoint, it doesn't work. And we just happen to really like it down there. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be doing in a year and a half. Uh, so that's that's another thing that I would uh, that I would say is is relevant. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know where I will be. Um, let's see. Um, this is from uh, the great Carlos Spice. Winner. Do you think the upcoming Vaughn nuptials of my good friend to a wonderful woman will end up being the hottest gay hookup event of the decade? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I didn't know that uh, Doug's son had gotten engaged until I guess uh, somebody called in and said it on Monday. Yeah, I saw the video online. Oh, really? There's yeah. a video of it? Yeah. They, I have to look it. Look it up. The whole family meets him in the backyard. Doug's holding the camera. Is that right? Yeah. Everybody was very emotional. It was cute. Oh, it's awesome. What a great thing. Yep. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go look at it. But they uh, they both seemed like super happy. John Vaughn's great people. Yeah. He interned for us as well before you were here, but like maybe like eight, nine years ago. Um, over under on college football, completing the entire schedule. I don't know how to answer that because it's like, I guess you want me to give you a percentage, I guess, perhaps on college football, completing or how the many games schedule? they'll complete. Yeah. 
the SEC will complete all the games. I kind of think that that might be. You've been right on that. Yeah. And then I was watching. But I never looked at it politically. I never right. looked at it politically. And now I'm looking and I'm going, oh, it's 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 a thing. It's a, it's an actual thing. It's an actual thing. Things are different in the SEC. Yeah. It's an actual thing. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, I guess they're going to play. I really guess Missouri is going to host Alabama in an empty stadium. Is that what it's going to be? Or is it uh, 25%? 25, 25%, yeah. Occupancy? Um, I'd truly be interested in going to that. Yeah, I'm going to be in Columbia that weekend, so I might see if I can get in there. Yeah, I mean, I'd truly be interested in going to that. So, um, uh, from the SEC standpoint, I would set it at 90%. Yeah, I think that sounds good. Yeah, and I can't believe it because for the whole time I have been thinking they're never going to play college football, and now I'm like, oh, I see what this is about. This is like a South thing. Yep. And therefore, it's, you know, that's the mindset. And it's not necessarily the mindset, you know, but, but it's the mindset of the people in, in power and boosters. And then, therefore, it's just going to go forth. And here's the deal. Even though I would imagine I probably don't share the worldviews of many in the SEC. I'm imagining that. I don't know that, but I imagine. I hope it winds up going off flawlessly. <laughs> Because I don't fucking care with regard to the politics element of it. I just love college football, and I hope for everybody's sake that nobody gets ill. Dude, I watched that FCS game on Thursday. It Central was, Arkansas, Missouri's first opponent initially. Yeah, yeah. And it's I mean, I was, P, I was into it. it. It came down to the last play of the game. Is that right? It, it was fun. Uh, with the NFL season approaching and some teams saying they will allow a small number of fans in, do you think any MLB team will try this before the season is over? It's from Brian. I will say no. Yeah, I'd say no, too. Uh, TMM, you mentioned last week our nightly struggles, your nightly struggles, to get the little man to go to sleep. Uh, have you tried melatonin gummies? We've had a lot of success with them, and our pediatrician has told us they're fine. Um, I appreciate it. Here's something. This I'm not going to get. I, I, Doug, Doug brought this up, actually. I think this ties into John Vaughn's engagement, now that I think about it. Um because I guess it was Carl Adam who maybe called in, and that's how I found out about it, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm yeah. putting all of this yeah, together. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he goes, you wonder why we don't talk about our families on the show. <laughs> and I have, it's been a thing for me, even before my son was born, um, and then since, now that I have a child, and then I find out a friend of mine is having a baby, and they're having their first baby, because I didn't like it, and I just like, okay, then I won't do it because I know I didn't like it. So treat others how you want to be treated. I don't want like when people say, oh, it goes so fast or, oh, you want to try this or, oh, how's he slow? Well, you ought to do this that I never want to be. Let me tell you how to parent person. And this person who's asking this question, I know who is a, is a wonderful person, like a great person, a plus human being. But when I briefly talked last week on the show about how, um, my son just, but it's not, it's, I'm, it's, it's really, I mean, I guess in a way it's a complaint, but the complaint is the byproduct of who he is and who he is. is he's just so happy. He is permanently happy, which is amazing. And the only time he is not happy is when you tell him, Hey, it's time we have to go to bed or we have to, you have to eat because he's always playing and always happy. And I'm just so happy that he's happy. But I was talking about that, not really thinking anything of it. And then I got, I don't want to say a bunch of emails, but I got emails on how to get him to go to sleep. And even though I know everybody doing it was coming from a good place, I didn't, I was just like, this is, I, I can't, I can't, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. 
And here you are without a child, just like knowingly like, yeah, you shouldn't have said that. And that's what, that's what's coming. And I don't know why people like, I would never personally say, here's how you do something with regard to your child. Cause I don't, every, every, every child is different and I don't, and I, I just also, it would be presumptuous to like think that, but I mean, again, I know the people who are doing that are coming from a good place. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good answer as to why it's a, like a hypersensitive thing for me. Um, but I regretted that day doing it because I opened myself up to something that I, you know, kind of told myself before he was even born, I never want to do, you know? And I actually think, I think like for like one of the only times in the history of our radio show, I said to the people on the show, and this would have been 2017. So gangster Pete, you wouldn't have been here. I said, Hey, listen, I know that, you know, it's a running joke with a lemming thing, which I personally fucking hate because, which I'll get into in a moment, actually, because I think it has created like this anti me thing with the audience, which then impacts a variety of business transactions, which I will attempt to explain, even though I know I'll, I'll become even the worst guy from being the bad guy. But, uh, I just don't really want to talk about my son on the show. I don't want to talk about, it. I don't want to, cause I don't, why do he's, you know, to me, he's everything, but to the world, he's just a guy. And I don't want him, I don't want him talked about. And if Doug were to say, yeah, you know, the stuff with talking about John or, you know, Nick or Greg, I just, now he's fine with it, but they're also in their twenties and thirties. I mean, it's a different deal. The cat talks about Tyler. Um, and it's just a case by case thing. I guess I am hypersensitive to it because I think I have experienced more of the hate stuff than those guys have. Um, don't really know why those guys don't really know why either, but, um, just know that it's the case. I think people in the audience know it, but it is the case. Um, and I just don't want my family exposed to it. Like if I got to deal with it, I got to deal with it and I've dealt with it for a while, but I don't want my family exposed to it. And, um, and so I was just in that moment that day talking about it, which was just kind of a lighthearted topic. And, and the, and the emails were pure, just like this post on the fan page, hundred percent pure. And it comes from somebody I know who's a great person, but I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to open up to Hey, you ought to do this or, you know, that kind of thing, which may sound really weird and I might not be communicating it well, but I just don't, I don't want that because I'm pretty comfortable in saying that I am going to raise my son and any other children. If we're lucky enough to have any other children, um, probably different than, you know, the majority of people I would imagine in St. Louis are. Um, and I'm not going, you should raise your children. How I, which isn't what people are saying, by the way, this is more of like how you get your kid to sleep. This isn't like morals and stuff. But um, that's just my own, it's a, it's a personal thing. And I, and I think it's, I might be on an island and maybe I'm alienating even more people in this, in this rant. But I think, I think it is born from seeing the hate that I get um, and not wanting him to get it because of me. And so I'm already kind of building that, like just, yeah, he's a guy and whatever he earns, he earns and whatever he doesn't earn, he doesn't earn. But, you know, if you don't like me, that's fine. That's the deal, I guess. But you, you know, leave, leave my family out of it. Um, and so that's, and, and again, no, nobody has ever attacked my, my family. Um, but I just, I have a feeling I, that it's like the cat asks, because you're going to coach your kid. And I go, no, I go, I guess in a vacuum, I would be interested in it, but I know from what I do for a living at least at this moment. And like I said, I don't know what the next year and a half will bring, but at least at this moment, um, I know 
that inevitably there will be parents who will be like, oh, he talks about this stuff on the radio and we don't want that. And I don't want my son to be going, what in the hell's that about? Because I don't apologize for the stuff I talk. I don't think it's wrong and I'm not going to apologize for it, but I recognize what the dynamics are. And so you go, okay, well, I personally just want to keep myself out of that and not even present the situation, you know? So you can go, well, that's sad that you're not going to get to coach your son because of that, or you're choosing not to. And I mean, that's just kind of, it's part of the deal. You know, I mean, it cuts both ways. I also get to do something that I love and I've been very lucky to do that. So I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying this is the landscape. I recognize it and I know that inevitably it would be a problem. I can just picture like, you know, take your pick of whomever, a mother, a father going, well, I heard they talk about this on the radio show. We can't have him around the kids. And then it would be a whole thing. And I just don't want to, I don't want to bring that into the dynamic. You're nodding. You, you're, you're nodding passionately about topics that I didn't think you would really have any interest in. Yeah. They'll start talking about you on the next door app. And what is this? Is that the thing that somebody was talking about? Like, is it, we talk about on the radio show or here yeah, on, we're on the radio show? It's kind of like a neighborhood chat. Are you familiar with it or is this yeah, just like for like, well, my, my friends will post the crazy posts from people. So what goes on on there? I mean, if there's like a stranger walking down the street, some lady will be like, there's someone I don't recognize on our street. And then all just anything going on with the neighborhood. So some, I mean, some of it, I guess is valid stuff, but a lot of it's just oversensitive over hypersensitive people losing their shit. I, I will say this, this part, which I don't, th I think this is a general comment that a lot of people probably can relate to, um, is for so long, like going back to like the late nineties, I have just been very careful, not, you know, very careful makes it sound like it's like I'm Paris Hilton. <laughs> um, just very picky and like, kind of like, okay, I don't like the person. We're not going to hang out with them. My brother, both my brothers were my best men at my wedding. And one of my brothers, my brother, Kevin, who's thanked at the end of uh, every Ryan Kelly morning after for no particular reason said, there's a thing about me that if I don't like somebody, I won't even ever talk to them to the point that they wonder if they even exist. He said this in his best man speech. And my thought is I would rather somebody know, well, I'd rather just be sincere. And so if I don't like you. Why would I be like, Hey, how's it going? And then they find out that I fucking hate them. They probably don't like me. So I engage in the bullshit. Now I guess life is easier if you engage in the bullshit, but my point in bringing it up with regard to parenting is I just choose to hang out with who I want to hang out with. And I don't want to hang out with somebody. I don't hang out with them. Like, you know, I guess I'd be I'm a big believer in that. If I get a bad vibe from someone, I just avoid them. Yeah. Like, completely. why would you, why would you want to like, what, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it's, there's some of this stuff and I guess I can't get too specific that I haven't been exposed to in a long time. And it's not me directly, but it's indirectly. And it has nothing to do with professional, by the way. Uh, and I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that shit went on. Like, especially once you're like in your twenties and thirties and forties, like, holy shit, you know? I haven't felt this kind of vibe since like sophomore year in high school. And the St. Joe girls are like, we can't have the South city kid around, you know, that kind of shit. And, um, it's a whole thing. And I'm just like, well, fuck, I don't want to be around those people. I mean, that's not, that's not like who I would want to hang out with, but with regard to the parenting element, you don't get to pick and choose. And so if you're getting that kind of vibe, you just have to, I gather, I mean, fuck, I haven't been there yet, but I'm gathering that that's, the deal. So I won't be able to be in the, okay, well, I mean, we're not going to do that because, because I got to, it's my kid's game or kid's school event or whatever the case might be. I don't know. I don't know. So if we didn't live in St. Louis, I don't know if it would be better. Um, from that standpoint, I don't know. 
I don't know, but I just, it's a, it's a thing. And, um, and I'm sure people who have kids and then they, you know, have events, but you know, I'll, I'll say this on the other side of it. I don't want to, cause that, that might not be fair. Cause Doug has said some of his favorite life experiences have been going to his kids games. Yeah. So I think I'll love that. I guess there'll probably just be inevitably a couple of people I don't vibe with. They certainly probably wouldn't be fans of mine, but it doesn't mean like you're fine. You just kind of don't interact. You yeah. know, at least that's how I handle things. But then. I don't know. Then if you're doing something that people think is like, you know, I don't know what the right word for it would be. I, I've said this before. I think I said it directly to him when he was sitting here. Were you in here for the Steve Savard interview? I was at a CMAR. That was CMAR. It was CMAR. Um, and I said, I said, I think people, because you're, you know, good looking, successful guy who's been on television for however long you've been on television at this point, 25 years, I think. And he, I, I think he's kind of introverted. Um, and then they would mistake the being introverted for being arrogant. And then I'd be like, fuck, now that I've gotten to know him, he's like not even remotely arrogant. He's just a really good dude. But because there is a perception and then he isn't outgoing, then it's like, oh, he must think he's so cool because he's whatever. And then it becomes a thing. So my wanting to not interact with somebody is because I don't like you. It's not because yeah. I don't. It's because I think I don't do I don't think I do anything special whatsoever. I think if anything, it's a complete disaster. Um, let's see what else we have here. Um, I get asked about this often. I'm almost bored by it, but I know people are sincere. I just, nothing's changed. So it's about the Rams lawsuit, but I'll, I just can see those, those words as I'm go, uh, going over it. How do you see the, uh, team, how do you see the team St. Louis versus the Rams lawsuit playing out long-term? My ideal scenario is a settlement which allows St. Louis interests either an opportunity to purchase an existing team, assuming one would be open to selling, or allowing St. Louis interests an opportunity to purchase an expansion team if there is no owner willing to sell. This would be with the caveat that the Dome would be a short-term solution and that the future owner would be expected to mostly fund a new stadium in due time. Our new team would have a new identity and would stay in St. Louis in perpetuity. This would all be in exchange for the NFL avoiding potential monetary damages, avoiding a civil trial, and avoiding numerous depositions of very powerful people. Just wanted to get an update on your take on the matter. Love the show. Thanks. It's a great question. It was phrased in a different way, so I like it. My honest answer out of the gate is I don't. I haven't heard anything new um, in a while. Doesn't mean that that, that there's no. The thing about this is these are clearly professionals on the team St. Louis side. It is. It is in lockdown mode. It is in lockdown mode which is how you operate. Uh, it is, it's in lockdown mode. And I, it, I guess, I don't even know actually after the fact, if I can get into why I, I quote unquote, know it's in lockdown mode, but it's in lockdown mode. Um, and I think that's a good thing because I think if they're like, oh, we're going to lose it, they might be like, fuck it. We'll talk about it. But uh, that's a good thing. As far as the NFL giving St. Louis an option on a team, I don't know on that. I, I, I kind of feel like that m there must have been something to, I don't think Taylor Twellman is, is saying that without there being some kernel of truth to it. And then you think about who Taylor Twellman is close to. Are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it in St. Louis business? Okay. Well then, then you can put two and two together. And so from that standpoint, I think there had to be something to it, but I don't know if that was about, okay, here is your hush money. We'll give you a team so much as this chargers thing is an absolute disaster, but I don't know. I don't, then it gets into Dean Spanos and what his situation is. Here's something that is, is relevant, but not totally. Are you following the Washington football team situation at all? 
Uh, I mean, I've read about the name of the Washington football team. I mean, let me just take a, this morning. There was a late. Okay, this is this is about the this, the the ne'er do well activities that have gone on over the last twenty years with the team. It's not okay. about the team's nickname. Um, I mean, from my standpoint, and maybe now I'm starting. Maybe it's like when when Doug gets into like political theories and people go, "Oh my God," you know, like they're like he's he's lost it, or they they. They're like, great for Doug. I'm glad he's saying it. It, de- it depends, which we'll, of course, get into with all these emails that are on politics. But this is where I am on it. I'm observing this. And to me, it is so clearly a hit job on Dan Snyder, what's going on, to take him out, to get him to sell the team, or to say, you are not in good standing. You have to sell the team for uh, Jeff Bezos, 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 to take over. Like, it just, it, to me, it strikes me as just like so obvious that I'm surprised it's not getting talked about more, but that's just like how I see it. Like it's the Washington post owned by Bezos, always the one reporting this stuff. They report this stuff and listen, it's not good. It's not like a positive. It's not something if you own a business, you'd be like, good, I'm glad. And yes, you always have to, I mean, even if you I mean, you just have to eat shit. Sometimes you own the business, even though if you knew nothing about it, you got to go, well, I'm responsible and we got to change it. I can't imagine he knew a lot of this stuff that was going on. And it's not like, I'm like a Dan Snyder guy. I just think Jeff Bezos wants to own an NFL team and there are only so many. So that's what I think is going on. And I don't know this at all. I'm just watching it play out. And it strikes me as like this morning, Pete, uh, was on the front page of ESPN.com. I'm reading through gangster. Pete sends the wonderful dear Deidre links and the links. And I go to ESPN.com might not be there anymore. No, no, it is. NFL is now taking over the Washington football team investigation. And it just strikes me as it's so obvious what's going to happen. Dan Snyder is going to have to relinquish ownership or sell the team. And Bezos is going to buy the team. And it just, like, and maybe I'm off. I mean, listen, fire away. I, I fired a bullet back in shit. I don't know. April saying, I can't imagine that the United States will have whatever the death total was like on the, the high end on from COVID. And I said, I'll bet that all day long. Well, if I would have bet it, I would have lost. And it super sucks because you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people dying in the United States. But I just thought it was a play to like, okay, we're going to say the death toll is going to be, you know, whatever is 250,000 people. And they know they'll never come close to 250,000 people. So they can go, well, see, we didn't have 250,000 people. It was a great success. Well, I was wrong on that. So I could be wrong. It's not like I know this. I'm just observing this. And I feel like that's what's, that's what, that's what's going on on this. I could be off the mark on it. Um, but that's my, uh, that's my theory. So going back to NFL conspiracy theories and how it plays out with St. Louis, do you think people in St. Louis, if St. Louis found out it was getting an NFL team would be excited? I'd be so excited, man. I would too. I want it so bad. Like that's I would my too. favorite part of that question is like, I haven't heard anything about that, but I would love it. Like I, I, I had I so much too. fun going to those games. And I don't know if this is like a vocal minority who says I'd have zero interest in it. I just think, and I think we got a little taste of it. And Paul, you want to talk about the thing that I think I was the wrong guest of in 2020 as uh, the Battlehawks. So that 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 that'll I'll, I'll wear that for a long time. But the Battlehawks and what went on there wasn't just about the fact that the team was successful and had a following. It was about who went to the games and the atmosphere around the games, and it was younger people. And I think that's what you know. I, you know, I don't know if they were thinking this in the 1990s when they moved here, but. The, the Rams games were just not a thing to go to. Now, in, in 99 and 2000 and 2001 and 2003, they were, but because of the game, because of the team. But if you put that team 
And I guess kind of you're seeing it here 20 years later in Kansas City, that kind of excitement with offense, even though really what the Chiefs are doing is is geared really toward one or two people. I mean, the Rams had, you know, a, a number of just absurdly talented players. Uh, take your pick. And, and then in addition, Hall of Fame offensive linemen, or at least one as things stand right now, uh, in a great atmosphere, i.e. Arrowhead Stadium, where people go, and even if the team's shitty, it's an event. It's something you do. That's what the Battle I don't think people are going to the Battlehawks games just to go, and I don't even know how many people could name more than one player. But it became a thing, you know? And I think it would become a source of pride and an event in St. Louis, way more so than the Rams. And I think in part because, yeah, temporarily they may have to play in the Dome, but if you are playing in a place that is conducive, like Arrowhead, to tailgating, that's what, to me, going to football games is about, is about the game day experience. You know, I went to Notre Dame, New Mexico, and South Bend last year, and I was kind of like, God, why don't I go to more games? And I couldn't have. You knew Notre Dame was going to beat the shit out of New Mexico, but it was just about, like, hanging out on a beautiful fall day and drinking and fucking off and bullshitting with people and having a good time, and it's a whole day. It's the, I mean, it really is the best. That's why I go to as many Mizzou games as I can. Yeah. I just love the, the, the atmosphere. The, the atmosphere. Right? Yeah, the whole day is fun. Yeah, like, Spain, you're talking SEC there. I mean, this is, so I, I Listen, I would personally love it. I honest, The honest answer is I don't know. I The thing that I have been told is the NFL is stunned that it has gotten this far. Um, now, that, of course, is coming from the St. Louis perspective. But I think they thought that this would just get batted down and it would never have anything. And so my honest answer is I don't know. I don't know if that is the goal of, of this, but I would imagine that there had to be some kernel of truth to the Chargers thing. I just, it, it wasn't coming from like a guy on Twitter who really misses the NFL and is just trying to like spin anything into convincing himself that, that, that St. Louis is going to get out. It's Taylor Twelman. And, I, and, and I'm not saying this to pump up Taylor Twelman or to take down Taylor Twelman at, at all. I, I actually don't. He's been on the show. Uh, and he, I think, was like class of 99 maybe at, at St. Louis U High, but we don't know each other. Yeah, I played basketball against him. Did you? Yep. Just I heard like the sickest natural athlete. Yeah, and he's he's real thick. Like I took a charge and it was, like, felt like a 250 Is guy. Is that right? But he's not, like a, he's not like a tall guy, right? No, he's just like no. a hell of an athlete. Yeah. So anyway, my point is, he, you know, again, connect the dots where he's getting his – and then you had the, the guy who's friends with Josh Kroenke in Denver with the whole chart. I just think that there's there's something there. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, uh, and it's not the only team. It could be an expansion team. I mean, you saw what happened when the Browns became the Ravens, and then the Browns became the Browns again in, in Cleveland. Um, when that was at 99, and the Ravens started in Baltimore, I think, in 94 or 5. So it was about a five-year window. I would love it. And, and that might be the whole angle, the whole play. There might have been a whole play. I just think there's so much to this. And I feel like I, quote, unquote, know a lot about it. Um, I mean, I guess I have to just because I was dealing with primary sources throughout it and had those experiences in those years that I knew something was up. Um, and, and, and a lot of the market was being told by a lot of the media that nothing was up. And so it's like it's like owning um, who won a tournament and nobody had him. Uh, Jim Herman, this is a super obscure DraftKings reference. But if everybody is looking toward Colin Morikawa that week, and you're the guy with Jim Herman, you have a huge edge on the field in DraftKings. So if I'm very confident that Jim Herman is the play, 
and not Colin Morikawa. So I'm over here looking at Jim Herman. I've got a monster advantage on everybody else who's looking at Colin Morikawa. And so throughout that thing, I'm like, something's up. I don't know what it is. I just know this is not what it is being represented. And I have no idea what that means. I just know what the people are being told is not true. So now I'm trying to figure out what is real. And and maybe at some point we will find that out. So I don't know. But uh, if it results in an NFL team, I would be, I'd be i personally be thrilled. Uh, Gangster Pete. Yeah, and like I think well. St. Louis would be highly motivated to show that. I agree with you because we saw fan. that with the Battlehawks. Yeah. That was a big part of the Battlehawks. Yeah, success. I think that was a part of it. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge part. I just underrated. I was so off on that. I, it was an eye-opening being did, off thing. Did you see the new SoFi Stadium on Hard Knocks at all? I have not. I have not. I watched one episode and I've bailed on they, Hard Knocks. They just opened it up. It is sick. Like oh, the, so you you acknowledge that it's very it's nice. It's sick. The scoreboard in there is probably worth more than our whole stadium project. On is the that river. right? I mean, it is. It's ridiculous. I will. Uh, I'm just. I'm so. The NFL in general. I'm just like. I have. My brother Danny. He's always playing fantasy football. You know, my first pulled, draft tonight. Okay. Are you excited for it? Yeah. I, I couldn't. I, mean, I, I couldn't I love name football. Like as much as I enjoy DraftKings, I probably won't even play NFL DraftKings. I just couldn't care any less. I mean, plus, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm totally withdrawn from it. See, I can't get into following another team that's not from St. Louis, but I can definitely get into my fantasy teams, my bets, that kind of thing. So I, 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 I enjoy that. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else. I feel, I feel like last year I was doing it, but now I'm just so detached. I know I didn't play fantasy football last year. Uh, hey, Tim, Kiss of Sins is a treat. Thank you. Uh, she was one of the pictures this week. I actually had to look closely because I saw Abigail Mack. But that's Kiss of Sins in the uh, in the other picture. Boy, she really is. That is a that is a fun picture. I see Cletus liked it. That's surprising. Um, a few years ago, when you did the Q and A with Joe Buck at the Improv Shop, would something along those lines work in getting someone like Quinn Snyder to do a long form podcast interview? I mean, with people having to pay to get in, would that sway someone like that to do an interview? I'm just totally intrigued by Snyder's whole time at Mizzou and how that went down. And with your style of interviewing, you might be open about it. Uh, or might open up about it. I hope this makes sense. Paraphrase it however you would like. Um, that is from a fan page question. I do not, I, I, if any, if the Quinn Snyder interview were to ever happen, it would have to happen in person in a studio like this, or if I'm, if he's somewhere close for whatever reason and agrees to do it. I, I, I just, I mean, even though I haven't seen Quinn Snyder in 15 years, I feel like one thing hasn't changed. And that is he was always, now maybe it has, but he was always just, I like, I'm on to the next thing. Like, I got, I got ten minutes for you, but you know, come on, it's kind of like, you know, like that. It's for him to sit down and open up. And on top of that, he's a successful coach. He's got a big game tonight. He's got a game, game seven, seven tonight. Seven, yeah, he's got a game seven tonight. Uh, he's he's dressing like Porter. Raphael Nadal on the yeah, sidelines. I've got noticed ankle cleavage. Um, but nonetheless, God bless him. The fact that he's now like what? How old is he? He's in his mid fifties, probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I remember when he was hired. I think he was thirty two or thirty three, which just fucks me up. You know, at the time, because I'm twenty two or twenty three, I'm just like, well, I mean, that's that's old. And now I look back on it, holy shit, to think that you're in charge of that size of a program and taking over from Norm Stewart on top of it, holy shit. But with that all said. Um, I, there's no way Quinn Snyder does an interview at the improv shop. I can give you a 100% <laughs> certainty that he will not. And I would actually put it in the high nineties that he will never do an interview regarding his time at Missouri. Even, even if he winds up becoming an NBA hall of fame coach, it's just not, I just don't think it's who he is. Although, and I think I've said this before the unofficial title of this podcast, um, there was a time in 2000, I was doing the show with Frank Cusimano, and that was a very brief run, 2003 or four. 
And I hardly knew him. And I think I, it must have been 2003. Peter, I told you the story. Yeah, you guys became kind of tight. Well, we had a we had a long phone conversation, but it was the byproduct of an, a television interview just going weird. Like he like it was I, the only way I can describe it is this. He's sitting across from me. The only person in the room is my my cameraman. And we're at the Hearn Center. And he's like leaning forward and I'm getting a vibe. He wants to fight me. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not exact not, not like verbal, like physical. And it's so awkward. It's so fucking awkward. It's easily the most awkward interview I've done. And I'm, I'm sure people are going to go, what about this? What about this one? I'm like, no, because because I've never sat across to somebody going, I think the guy wants to fight me. <laughs> and it's Quinn Snyder. And and it's just and, and it gets to a point. It's like after God, I feel like we had one of these recently where I'm just like, let's just pull the plug. I mean, it's going nowhere. It, it had. I mean, I know it's happened before. And you're just like, it's there's no point in even just like dragging it out like this guy's being an asshole. And like, he thinks he's being tough and I don't need it. I don't, I mean, I guess at that point in my career was a different deal, but cause I drove, drove down to Columbia and, you know, we would do the the hour long sports Sunday thing. So you have Quinn Snyder and it's a thing, but I'm just like, okay. And I, I just kind of pulled the plug and I guess I'm 26. Uh, and I'm like, all right, you know, like, okay, cool. I go, and I think I said afterwards, I said, Hey, is everything all right? And he goes, yeah, is everything all right with you? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what is this? Is like, this is like one thirty at Quinton's and like, you know, somebody thinks I was flirting with their girlfriend type thing. You know, it's just really awkward. And then he's walking out of the Hearn Center with some Missouri athletic department people. But he's, you know, clearly the Tupac of the posse. And he says something along the lines of, uh, did you uh, did you write that um, my sports information department is not responsive to interview requests? And I said, yeah, I did, actually. And he goes, you got a problem with that. You talk to me. I go, okay, well, let's talk about it. I said, this has been going on well before you were here. And it's famous for people who've covered Missouri athletics. And Missouri fans hate to hear it. And then you become like anti-Missouri if you talk about it. Now, I don't know if it's still going on now. This is, you know, this is 2003. And I said, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a problem. And I said, I don't think it does the program, football or basketball, any favors if St. Louis or Kansas City would like to cover the team and for television stations, we have to schedule that out to drive down two hours and to drive back two hours and to set aside the time to do it. And if we can't get responses, people would rather go, well, then screw it. We're not going to cover them. It's a lot easier to cover St. Louis University, even though the interest might not be as high. Um, and and he kind of he's, he's cool, but it's still awkward. And I think what happened was I called his office maybe a day or two later to try to like just go, dude, you know, what was going on? And he called me back, and I remember it was in front of KMOV, the same place where it is now, one Memorial Drive, and drove all the way back to my place in Clayton. It wasn't in a condo in Clayton at the time. And the entire time, he's just talking. I mean, the whole time. And I'm like, I barely know this guy. And he's just lighting up. I mean, this, this, if this call were recorded and played on real sports, it would have been like a, a takedown moment. And, and talking about huge names in college basketball. And why he's perceived the way he is and how he was wrongly perceived. And I said, Quinn, I said, if you feel this strongly, I said, you ought to defend yourself. And whether you do it on, because the show with me and Kusum, you can imagine Kusumano loving basketball as much as he does, he would be in heaven. You do it on our show. Great. If you want to do it on um, another show, great. But you're only, you, you have a lot to say and you've never told your side of it. I would advise you to tell your side, but I mean, it's your, your life. You're making, you know, at that point, I don't know if he's making millions, he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's 36 years old. And, uh, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to do it. 
and he comes on the show with me and Frank. And I think he was saying, people keep saying, all we do is recruit McDonald's High School All-Americans and we should be doing better. Well, we only have one McDonald's High School All-American. Do you know who it was at the time, Gangster Pete? Trayvon Bryant. That is correct. Big feet. Too big to move good. Yeah, he thought he was well, going to be higher than that. And he was he's an L.A. guy, I think. And you had Paulding and Johnson from Detroit. Detroit. And what happened then... Well, it was a fine interview. He he definitely did not come close to going into as much as he was going in his rant in our phone call. I mean, not even close, because some of the biggest names in college basketball coaching still would have been going, oh, my God, what just happened? Uh, I mean, for real, because like, I remember three like off the top of my head, and you can probably do your guessing on it. I'm not going to respond no matter what. but uh, and uh, And he certainly didn't do that. But what happened was Floyd Irons was unhappy that he didn't mention Jimmy McKinney and uh, and like didn't put, I guess, didn't put McKinney in that category. And he, and I, I don't know how it happened, but Quinn and I, because texting wasn't going on then, so he must have gotten back on the phone. He goes, you know what? I can't win. He goes, I'm done. I'm not, I just can't win no matter what I say. He goes, I thought I was kind of telling people my side of it, and now I'm catching hell there, and I'm just like, I'm done. So I'll forget it. I, he goes, I'm glad that I, you know, had a chance to talk with you about it, but screw this. I'm done. And so that was now I'm not saying for the record that Quinn Snyder was wrongly, you know, whatever, because honestly, I don't know. And a lot of what sounds like the most titillating parts of the Quinn Snyder era were post 2003. But, um, I, he's just not a guy who has any interest in really pouring his heart out. You know, that's just not who he is. Yeah, I witnessed some erratic Quinn behavior in Columbia at that time. Oh, I, did you really? I, like, I, dude, I, you firsthand, or is this like, no, yeah. my buddy was up at so-and-so. No, and so. I mean, I, you I saw, saw it. Really? I doubt he'd want to talk about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, what in the world? I mean, the whole the whole thing, I'm telling you, w whether it be the Ram stuff and, and the Quinn Snyder era, I'd love to do these things, but in order to have it happen, you have to have people honestly talk about it. And I get why, and now, you know, kind of being... You know, I, I kind of get why people, yeah, I just would rather just leave, leave the, the sleeping dog lie, you know, and I don't, I'm not gonna, what do I, I'm, I'm 54. I have a family now. I've gotten my life together. I would imagine at some point soon, he's going to be move on from, I mean, if they can win tonight and he gets, who would they play by the way? Uh, they're playing Michael Porter Jr. I know that, but who would they, play? <laughs> oh, who would they, who would they play? I'm not and sure I, I know I you have the Lake up. show and then you have the winner of the Rockets and the Thunder. Um, Anyway, uh, and it, it, he's just going to be a guy who's going to get hired for a bigger opportunity than the Jazz. That's my point. So why would he fuck with his prospect? Yeah, he got a, he got out relatively unscathed. Like considering a, a lot of those stories stayed in yeah. Columbia. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so I it's mean, just not there's gonna, no it's upside. A, it's just not going to happen. I mean, listen, I, I trust me. I've said it before. My white whale at this point, I guess, would be like a Crocky or Demoff, but within the realm of you know, I might as well say, well, I'd love to have. Obama and Trump come in and I could talk with them with them. You know, it's not going to happen within the realm of reality. I'd say Quinn Snyder, but I would say that's probably comparable to Kroenke and Demoff. Uh, it's just, it's probably not going, who would be, who would be the white whale right now? Gangster Pete, like a, a reality white whale. Cause I haven't thought just cause we're not doing interviews with not having people come in. Right. And I don't want to waste a, an interview over the phone. It's like the Tom Brady, Howard Stern interview. That was just kind of a debacle. Like, you mean someone you'd be super excited to talk to yes. or someone you could get, like... Somebody I'd be... Somebody of our audience, so not not necessarily global, but our right. audience here would be like, I'd love to hear from. And and who knows when we'll be able to do it again. Um, and I don't know, because we've done so many. I mean, to get Jay Nixon, to get 
Dave Peacock and in person in these these interviews. Um, and we've had you know Jim Talent, Jack Danforth. Um, I think Mike Marks would be interesting. I think that's a nice play. Marshall Falk would be interesting if you get him to open up. Okay, so with both those guys, Martin Kilcoin has a great relationship with both those guys. I don't have a relationship of any kind with either one of them. I mean, I covered them, but Martin has an actual relationship with them. Marshall would never do it. This, yeah. this is this is me, by the way, speaking from total hypothetical speculative, but I speak as if I'm certain, but I'm pretty certain Marshall would never do it. Martz may do it, and he may be the kind of guy who would open up. Yeah. So you're, that's a good play. That's a real good play. I don't know. I'm trying to think because I love, I love, I love these kinds of interviews. But it's like both with Peacock and Nixon, we both knew what the other was doing. Right. And it, and it wasn't like any secret. It wasn't like some meta play. You know, Nixon's just like, well, you know, I can't talk about it because of the suit. And Peacock's like, I can't talk about it because of the suit. But Peacock said that going in, you know. Nixon, we're out there talking. He's talking with a friend of mine afterwards, a lawyer as well. And he's going, yeah, you know, he asked about the Rams thing. And I just deftly swatted it away each time. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's great. We can kind of do an autopsy on the interview like three minutes after it. But I can do this dance all night. <laughs> I'm going to walk right on out. But, I mean, it's still cool to have the former governor of Missouri in here talking yeah. about the situation. And then getting into his idea with David Stern about how he met with David Stern. And I think what he wanted to do was have... Uh, St. Louis and Kansas City split an NBA team. And and he sits with David Stern in his office in New York. And Stern goes, I can tell you right now it's not going to happen. We still have 59 minutes, so is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yep. We've had, to, I'll tell you, with uh, Gene McNary, the former county executive, and with Jay Nixon, we've had a lot of, like, NBA scoop for St. Louis yep. in here. You know, I mean, like, shit, I didn't even know. And then I talked to people, I'm like, I didn't know about the Spurs. I'm not even sure it's true, but... I didn't know about it. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, all right. I, I haven't gotten into any of the emails. And we had so many emails from this week that I want to make sure that I get into some of them. Um, okay. This one. Remember last week's homework assignment, Gangster Pete? Do you remember? It was about burner accounts. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to let you know what why the, what the ment mentality so, behind So it. I think I've done a poor job. I don't If you have an idea for a homework assignment this week, I'm all for it. Um, but I think I've done a poor job. I honestly don't think I've done a poor job of explaining them. However, the results are indicating I haven't been able to convey it properly. The first homework assignment two weeks ago was um, not asking people why they support Donald Trump at all. Not at all. Because that would be, to me, that would be very prickish. Like, what the fuck is wrong? That, 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 and that's just, and I think people know. I, I get a lot of... I appreciate these emails. I, I also was called a liberal cuck who needs to stop watching CNN in an email. I get that as well. <laughs> but I also get I people who, and I probably will read some, I don't know, I don't have them ordered, uh, that when we talk politics, people think it is very fair. Uh, and I appreciate that. I like to think that that's where it is. And, that, and a lot of these people are people who support Donald Trump, but they recognize that the conversation is coming from a good place. Like, I truly am interested. So the, the first homework assignment was not, why would you, why did you vote for Donald Trump at all? I don't want to say I like, I get it, and I'm thinking about doing the same thing, because I'm not. I was asking this, though, because I understand people voting for him from a policy standpoint. What I'm asking is this, and it's really in general with any president, but since I don't think any other president that I can think of, I guess the closest thing would be Obama, I guess, 
had like this portion of the population. And I know you'd always t- we can always talk about the 35% who will support him no matter what. But of that 35%, I'm talking about like, you know, a third of the 35% who go to the rallies, who wear the Make America Great Again hats, who have Trump flags. That, that's what I'm, I'm not asking for somebody who's voting for him. That, that's not what I'm asking. So I want to restate the homework assignment because I got a lot of, well, this is why I'm voting for him. And I get that. I wasn't asking it. And I don't want to say I'm not interested in it, but it, 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 it isn't what I was asking. But I got a lot of those. It's if you are somebody who would fall into that category of having like pr- proudly like standing at the Donald Trump altar. My question is why? Because that I honestly do not get. And I'm not saying it to be flippant at all. I just I, I and I don't know if I would necessarily have, have understood it with Barack Obama either. So it's, it's across the board to like worship another person. I don't get it, especially however, this one. And so I want to have an understanding. Like I, one of the things though, Pete, I'll say, which I think there's something to it. Um, it's not necessarily him, but these people who did, and I've, I've got a bunch of these emails and you know, see how many I can read. Holy shit. I got a, that's, um, but a bunch of them. And and one of the common threads was, I like that he pushes back. And in a way, I think the pushing back is really good. I, but I think it's a shame that it's him doing it because I think there does need to be a pushback um, because of it's just, I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's not accurate often. It's not true often. It's, you know, not really highbrow. It's, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. And it's, you know, the pushback would be a lot better if it came from someone that was a little more polished. Right. Incredible. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So I noticed now Biden's in pushback mode with his speech in Pittsburgh yesterday. Pete and I are recording this on September 1st, 2020 for the record. And then he's like, like in the middle of like one of his lines, he just like, I mean, he's, I think the prompter went down. I on it. Did you see this? Do you know what I'm talking about? I saw clips. Wow. And all <laughs> it does is I remember a campaign advisor saying, I think it might've been David Axelrod who ran Obama's campaign in 2008 saying the worst thing that could happen for a political candidate, especially a presidential candidate. Cause you're at, you're at the, you know, the peak of, of running for office is for the, narrative that the other side is pushing for you to do something or your campaign to do something that can be perceived as confirming the narrative. So in the case of Mitt Romney in 2012, when they had the famous whatever percent comment, do you remember what percent it was? No. Uh, where he was talking about, there's a percent that'll never vote for me because they, they need handouts or whatever it was. I'm paraphrasing and I could be completely butchering it. Either way, it was, he, he, it was at a private donor lunch and it all it did was see he's only for rich people. He's a rich guy. He can't possibly relate to me. And so then that was used against him. Um, in in 2020, the narrative with Biden is he's he's bordering on losing his faculties, and so he's he's not in his basement anymore, as it's been labeled. Speaking, he actually goes out and goes to Pittsburgh. Not a coincidence. Um, I don't think it's a, a positive first campaign that he feels like he has to go to Minnesota. And I say that because Minnesota, you would think, would be blue, and he's going to Minnesota this week. And these are just me observing things from afar. But 
uh, with with regard to the speech. I think the prompter went down either way, and it's not being. I've, I'm so excited about Joe Biden. I'm just observing what I think happened. Uh, and just like Trump, like walking down the steps a few weeks ago, like he was 95 years old. I'm sure there was a reason for it. You know, I don't think that I didn't go, well, shit, he can't walk down the steps. Now I think he <laughs> says weird shit. You know, I mean, I was already there. Uh, but with Biden, the, the, I think the prompter goes down and it, he's just, he's just, he's just saying words and none of them go with each other. And then there's sounds and it of course goes around social media and it's like, see, this man can't be president. And it's just like, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to riff if the prompter goes down. I mean, shit, I would be anchoring a weekend sports cast. The prompter would go down. You gotta be in your place to like ad lib through it. And oh my God. And all that did along the lines of the Romney thing was confirm those who are wondering or already believed he was, he was bordering on being senile and going, oh my God, here he is at a campaign speech. The first time he's left his basement in months and and he can't even get through talking about COVID. And it makes you really think about a debate. You're like, oh, no. Though, I mean, the debate is going to be, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, I don't know. I'll I think I, I, I might walk away from the debate <laughs> partially entertained, but then feeling feeling worse about the prospects for our country than ever before. Yeah. You know, I, do you watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver? Uh, Occasionally. They had this thing, he always does, and now this, and usually it's making fun of local news, which yeah. is right up my alley because, Jesus, Mary and Josephine, is it a, uh, it was a clown show 20 years ago, much less now. Um, but the people who introed <laughs> Trump for uh, the delegates, I guess, for their respective state, and it was, it's unbelievable. I don't know if we could use the audio and just insert it because it would play well enough that we wouldn't even need to explain it. And then, then I'm laughing at it and it is hilarious. And then, but then you go, oh my God, this is where we are though. I mean, that this is what, you know, and like Kimberly Guilfoyle speech, which was just, <laughs> which was just incredible. But it's like, it's just like his family members are speaking and that's, that's what you can get. And you're just going, so I'm like, I, now, I, whereas in 2016, I would laugh about it and be like, this is just fucking, this is unbelievable. You know, it's hilarious. Now I'm like, I'm mad at myself for laughing at it because this is our reality. And as we said uh, last week, we both think he is going to win. Biden's odds, by by the way, now, uh, he is down to minus 120. So he was up to minus 165 like a month and a half ago. It is now down to minus 120, meaning he's still a favorite, but not nearly as big of a favorite as he was. And Trump was at minus 165 in February. So this has been all over the map, just for the record. Um, so, yeah, I watch both these guys talk, and I'm just like, Wow. I mean, and I don't, I, and I actually feel, I think for the first time in my life, like the importance of the election and there's an indirect correlation with the importance of the election and our choices for the election. And by the way, I wouldn't necessarily feel overwhelmingly better if it were Pence versus Harris, but I'll say this, I would feel better. I would feel better. I would feel better. And I'm not a fan of either, but I would feel better. <laughs> I agree with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucked up. Ah, anyway, regarding the homework assignment, somebody wrote, you know, I might get to it, I might not, that uh, that the people who would be in that in that mindset probably aren't your podcast listeners. And that probably is the case, although I think there are some, um, but I don't know how, how many. The other homework assignment was, and this was for last week, uh, I gave last week, was 
if you have burner accounts, why? But what I guess I didn't qualify based on this one that I'm about to read is it wasn't about like having a burner account so you can, so you can, you know, like follow, as this person said, I think they follow Jill Cassidy or something like that. Lee Sander, Jill Cassidy. Um, I get that. I get it. I think it's, I think it's stupid, but I also understand it. So whatever. Um, I'm talking about like when you troll people, like that, that's what I'm asking. That's what I'm, I'm not asking about like a burner, you know, so you can follow porn stars or, you know, like when you troll people, like what's your explanation for that? I'm curious. I'm legitimately curious on that. So this was, this was the response that I'm uh, about to read here. Hey Tim, regarding your homework assignment on burner accounts, I'm going to try to explain the psychology of it from my point of view. I have a Twitter burner, but really I just use it as a forum to talk about sports and talk with people about sports and other things I'm interested in. I don't troll people or any of that. Uh, so that part I can't speak to, but I do follow stag stars and talk about porn in general, which I think is a big part of it. But the bigger part of it is I'm 23 and I've been told since I was like 10 to be careful what you do online as it could come back to bite you. Now, I am not naive enough to think I am important enough to be canceled, so to speak, but the use of a burner account takes away a lot of that concern. For example, had I put in a job application um, that I really wanted, but they looked at my social media and found that I followed Lisa Ann or Jill Cassidy, would that be a negative? I sure hope not, but why risk it? Luckily, I have a job at one of the bigger employers in St. Louis, but even they have sent out emails to the whole company giving suggestions on how to handle personal social media accounts as they view it to some extent as being representative of the whole company. Do I think I'd be fired or even talked about what I do on Twitter? Nope. But once again, my point of view, why risk it? Is it cowardice? Sure, it could be looked at that way, and I get it, but I feel a lot more free to talk about the things I enjoy openly. That's the main gist of it, really. Thanks. That comes from Shane. So everything he said there, I understand and agree with completely. Same. That's not. I don't think that's what we were talking that's about. Not, but yes, I mean, that's the issue. So that's why I'm trying to convey my homework assignments better. And we're getting so many fucking emails. It's great. It's it's helping. It's just, it's more like, well, here's why I'm voting for Donald Trump. And I'm like, I get it. I, again, even though I'm not, I get it. I get that. I'm not asking about that because there are going to be 50 million people who vote for him. I'm asking about the the people who think he's the second coming. And, and disregard like things that are like not even an issue to be factually proven as false. How do you, how do you, how do you not only navigate that, but how do you like, this guy's the best. And I, and I, for real, I'm truly, I can't figure it out. And so that's why I want to understand it. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read your email and shit on it. I really want to understand it, but I haven't gotten one of those. I've gotten a lot of, here's why I'm voting for him. And a lot of those, by the way, because I'm not going to read every one of them. A lot of those are, I just couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton, you know, which is kind of what I think. I don't think there are a lot of Joe Biden supporters. I think there are like, not voting for Donald Trump. And I got to tell you something. I'm even more confident now that Donald Trump is going to win than I was last week, by the way, by the way. Um, and I, I can't necessarily put a finger on it. I'm just telling you, that's what I, that's what I think. As far as the burners, Pete and I were talking about trolling. And cause if you look at Twitter, for example, or even what we deal with occasionally on Facebook, like where somebody like, it's like a sleeper cell on the fan page. They've been there, they've been there, they've been there. And then they finally get to fire <laughs> off their thing. And it's just like, what, what was the point of that? You know, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to understand. 
And again, I guess the people with dog avatars who like call people libtards on Twitter probably are not our podcast audience. But what is that about? Like what fulfillment? And if you can psychoanalyze yourself, what do you think's going on there? Because you're probably going to have to acknowledge something that, you know, might be lacking in life. And why is that? Because I would love to tweet. I love to bullshit with people. It's my favorite thing to do, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, we're not, we're not on, we're not on a fair playing field. We're not a level playing field. I'm out there as who I am and you're out there hiding behind a fake name. It's why the STL Today comments or YouTube comments or any articles comments are trash because people use anonymity. So I think it's a bitch move. And that is why, I mean, if there's any story, controversy in St. Louis, for real, like we make light of the STL Today comments, but it's it's because they're, they're, they're fake names. And so people can spew their bigotry. And that's where you go. I mean, it, I'm not going to do it now, but... Um, I mean, you already know what the comments are going to be. But if people had to use their actual real names, they would never say it, ever. So, you know, in that sense, um, that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to understand. That's what I'm trying to understand. Um, so, you know, do with do with that what you want, Gangster Pete. Do you have anything on the on the burner account theory? No, I mean, I said it last week. It's a bitch move to go on there and just troll people at, under a fake fake name. Yeah. And it's, it accomplishes nothing. But that's why I'm trying trying to have a better understanding. I just of avoid it. reading the comments because that stuff just it puts me in, yeah it puts me in a bad mood. It's just not worth it, so I just avoid it. Like to have, and I don't even know. I haven't looked at my Twitter. I mean, I like I'm on Twitter, but I don't look at my personal profile. I might have lost like thousands and thousands of um, followers because I never tweet. I don't even know how the fuck to find it. Actually, now I have twenty five thousand eight hundred followers, which stuns me because I have barely tweeted at all for at least the last few months. Um, and I would love to be, I mean, what to have, to be able to reach 26,000 people immediately is valuable, but I don't even mess with it because I don't want to, I guess you can do something where you tweet Pete and you can block who can, well, you can, yeah, you can block people. Well, no, you can definitely block. Everyone can reply. That's it. Only people you mentioned can reply. I guess that's a way to handle it. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. It's just so many, cause it's, it's a, that's what. If it's just a downside play, like we're talking about the Quinn Snyder thing, well, I've been messed with it. I mean, I'd rather bullshit with my friends than people I don't know. I know. It's just, and it sucks because it could be used, but I just, I'm just not there. And I've, I've thought to myself, I think I've had people say it on the podcast where I, I was going to get into it, but then I decided, you know, why mess with it? And then I get into it for a day or two and then I'm like, oh my God, all it did was cause negative energy and I don't fuck with it. Um, let's see what we got here. This one I thought was kind of a, I remember this this one came in and I'm like, okay, here's another thing I've noticed. How many people, and whether it be fan page, and I know you don't see the emails I get for questions from the audience, but like they're obviously Trump voters, but they act like they're not. What's that about? I guess, I guess, I guess it's, you don't want to be called a racist, which I have to say is a completely reasonable position, Yeah. but in a private email, it's not like I'm going to go, oh, you're running up fucking racist. Have a good day. You know I mean? I'm just going to, I just read them. But like I'm re like the fan page, for example, like there's so many obvious Trump voters who say they're not Trump voters. But I guess if, you, if you're like, yeah, I don't want to be called a racist, I have to say I understand that. Well, I think that's totally it. I think there's so much negative stuff attached to Trump that they just don't want that associated with yeah. them for yeah. being a supporter. So we kind of answered our own or I yeah. answered my own question. But yeah, I guess that, I guess that's got to be it. But this isn't a private email. And so this guy wrote this long thing. It was it was it was like having a, you know, like being in the Breitbart comment section. 
And I go, and all I wrote back was, who do you think you're going to vote for? And he goes, Trump. You know, okay. Thanks. I mean, so, so I guess my premise on it is we weren't entering into the discussion from, you know, you weren't acknowledging where you are. You know, you were right. saying that you're not a fan, but then it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, but I have to, uh, but I guess in fairness to him, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden's. I think I might've been a, f I don't know if I would call it a fan, but I would have been more apt to vote for him a while ago. Not now. Um, and I'm going to vote for him. So, you know, I guess maybe that's not fair. So fuck me. But that is this official fuck me moment of the, uh, of the podcast. Uh, let's see. I think this one is pretty good with regarding to the question. Sup, Tim and Smoke. Sup. I write this email from both of your respective old stomping grounds here in Como. I am a PhD student slash instructor at Mizzou in the Department of Atmospheric Sciences. For what it's worth, I find the Strode casts on TMA to be <laughs> hilarious. Me too. And I'd love to call in some time to give our orange little friend the business. I'll attempt to keep this short as possible. So here are the reasons in descending order. I'm a MAGA guy. Number one, Trump was not a career politician. Number two, Trump did not represent more of the same as Hillary Clinton did. And in fact, represented radical change to our economy through his trade deals and efforts to bring companies back to the U.S. To expand on this point, my family and I suffered during the Obama presidency, both financially as well as losing health care benefits we worked hard for due to Obamacare. I say this as someone who voted for Obama. Number three. Trump represented an end to the PC culture at the time that was nurtured under the Obama administration. His brashness and willingness to tweet whatever the hell he wants, I find refreshing even when I know it's complete BS. As a white male, I felt the PC culture and the radicalization of, for example, the Me Too movement was becoming suffocating, and that's why Trump's off-the-cuff PC police be-damned attitude I find enjoyable. Number four, Hillary Clinton's just a vile person. I believe we share common ground here. We probably disagree on most of these points, but I appreciate the question you asked and felt compelled to respond. It's nice to hear a different perspective other than the ones uh, I own, and I hope this response helps in your trying to understand the other side. To quickly respond to the burner account question, oh, this guy's full service. Uh, I don't have burner accounts, and in fact, I have gone largely silent on social media across the board in the last few weeks. Given my station in life, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. And as a gentleman in his late 30s, I've matured enough to understand that there's no issue worth responding to that would risk my job and career. I actually looked back at the last thing I commented on passionately and funny enough, it was Mike Matheny's decision to pat pitch walk in game five against the Giants in 2014. Social media these days is simply a way to keep up with friends, especially those no longer residing in Como. Thanks for taking the time to read this. And also thanks for keeping me sane every day, listening to the podcasts. And of course, TMA as I navigate life in quote university best and he gives his name. I guess we can read it. I don't know. Well, what's the point of reading? I mean, he's, he's been pretty specific, though. But he gives his full name. I just err on the side of caution yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, what's, what's, as always, if there, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, my shoelace got caught in my chair, and it was torturing me. All right. So, I, yeah, why, why read the name? I actually agree with all four of his points. I have minus, to say, I, I th I, that's the best email I received on the topic. Yeah, minus the, I mean, the. Trump goes too far with uh, saying whatever he wants, but I mean, you can't dispute he was not a career politician. I mean, right. that's that's just a fact. Uh, Trump did not re represent more of the same. Um, I I understand that premise. Um, to expand on this point, my, and so if you suffered during the Obama presidency, then I, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe some people did. I you know the the economy actually, if you look at the numbers, and I know sometimes that's you know inconvenient but you know 
uh, was a successful time in American history, uh, especially considering where things were in 2008. But the healthcare thing, um, you know, he's speaking firsthand and wouldn't be right to say, oh, I think you're making that up. I mean, I think this guy came to the table with uh, sincere points. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody, Pete. It, it was a, I guess I shouldn't go into where it was because I might give away who it was, even though it's not a big deal. But, um, and the person goes, he was just going, we're just kind of bullshitting. And it must have been, it's probably 2012, actually. And he goes, I know my, my friends would probably give me shit for this, but I don't know about you, but I've had a pretty good last four years, and I don't know why people are hating on Barack Obama. And I go, I don't know, man. And, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm going to vote for him in 2012. Um, but it was kind of like, he's like, I know we're being told the economy's bad and he's a bad president, but I'm kind of going, this thing is, you know, from my standpoint, I think he's a good man, and it's been a good four years considering where things were. Um, but you know, Hey man, that's not across the board. And if you view the president as playing a large role in it, then just like sure many people be voting for Biden, then I wouldn't vote for the person or for the person you perceive as carrying the torch for your administration as people, some viewed Hillary Clinton doing number three, Trump represented an end of the PC culture at the time that was nurtured under the Obama. That one I disagree with, but I know a lot of people don't feel that way. And by that, I mean, a lot of people would say that the PC culture was nurtured under Barack Obama. And I didn't feel that. I just didn't. I just didn't see it that way, at all. Actually, um, did you? Did you feel that way? Yeah, I felt it going that way for sure. And and what do you think he was doing that was doing? Oh, that? I'm not necessarily saying it was Obama's fault, but just the PC culture started to build during that time. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that. I guess that. I guess what I'm saying is I don't see how he. But I mean, it's. I mean, the PC culture. It's almost worse than ever now. The PCU thing. Remember that movie with the yeah. great? Uh, who the fuck was it? The guy uh, who played Ari. And yeah, uh, I was gonna say. Um, God, look him up, would you? Because it's going to drive me up a wall. Who was, was it? Jeremy of... Piven. Jeremy yeah. Piven. I was like, I know I can think of this without looking it I up. I think that was like in 91, 92, 93. Yep. I mean, George H.W. Bush was in office for most of that. I, you know, I mean, was he Mr. PC? I mean, it just kind of, and, and Reagan before him, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't view the president as. But I mean, I, I do, I agree with him. I do. I think he was getting to a point where it was like. It was like you people were uncomfortable to say what they felt. I agree with that. I just don't think that he was responsible. No, for I don't think he's similarly. I, I don't think don't. people being assholes on social media is because the yeah. president's an asshole on social media. People have been assholes on social media well before he was around. But I think the people give the president a lot more credit for setting being a tone, the emphasis or that changes things. Uh, yeah. So I mean, listen, I, 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 I'm, I, I understand the premise. I just disagree with it. And then the Hillary Clinton thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember saying. I, I mean, who knows? I, I, I remember saying, I cannot imagine a circumstance in my life where I would vote for Hillary Clinton. I think I said it on the radio, like, years beforehand, and there I was voting for Hillary Clinton, and we had the circumstance. Um, so, um, I uh, I like the email, though. I'll, let me put it that way. And on top of it, the person put their name on it, which is really surprising, and details on what the person does. I hope nobody, like, fucks with this guy. Uh, but either way, well done. And that was... That was, that was uh, that answered the question and, and and also calls himself a MAGA guy. Not just like I'm voting for Trump, but explains it and it is a fan. So God bless the homework assignment paid off. And I got a bunch of emails on it, but most of them were, well, here's, here's why. Um, greetings, Tim. Love the show. Listened yesterday. I thought it was funny that a listener said he waits to cut his grass until Tuesdays to listen to QFTA. I do the <laughs> same thing. Uh, I'm a Republican and really don't have a good answer as to why I'd vote for Trump other than policy, just as the person. Obviously, he's a goof. But again, I'm in line with Republicans believe in. 
My question to Democrats is, what is there about Joe Biden besides policy that would make you vote for him? It's remarkable we're in this situation. Thanks. That comes from Shane Corson, except it's not Shane Corson with the blues in the 90s, Pete. Yep. Um, yeah, he's not Donald Trump. There's my answer. That, that, that's that's as concise as I can be. And, and again, I'll say the same thing about 2016. It is not an enthusiastic vote at all. I am I am getting depressed over this whole thing. I'm yeah. getting depressed over the whole thing. It's awful. And Biden's got all kinds of policies that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but he's not Trump. And I, think, I, I just think Trump's bad for, it's a bad look for our country. And it steers us the wrong direction. But but uh, I appreciate Shane Corson. But again, that, that that gives another example to the people listening of what we got, which was mostly I, why they would vote. And it's, that's not what I was looking for. It was why would somebody like be, you know, busting out the, the red and white hat or, you know, going to rallies with the flags. That's what I'm asking. Like where you would, you, you know. see the boats at the lake. Yeah. What do you think that's about? <laughs> I don't know, man. They love the guy. It's, it's crazy. What do you think that's it's about? Everywhere. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, when I ask these questions, they're not, they're not like, let me mock, you know, like, I, like I've said before, I watch Bill Maher. And I feel like a lot of it's just kind of like a disdain for, you know, people who don't live in L.A. or New York. I really do. Even though I find the show amusing, I can understand why it pisses people off. Uh, I think John Oliver does a hell of a job. I mean, his it's, it's shit is so sourced that it's amusing and it's sourced and it presents a compelling argument. Uh, both certainly are, are coming from the hard left. Although I actually think Mar is so left that he's like coming around the circle uh, and almost like a... You know, and he, I guess he would say he's a libertarian, but he's certainly anti-Trump. I think Mars pretty funny. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I find both incredibly amusing. I just think it's almost, it's like, like, I don't know if he recognizes he may be doing what his, he may view as his cause a disservice by the manner with which he does it. You know, like shitting on people who are religious and shitting on people who are fat and, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then, in, you know, inferring that they're dumb or they're racists. And it's just like, and, but I think he's doing it from a sincere place. I don't think it's necessarily material. I don't know. And I think he's brilliant as a, as a, as a, as a, as a human and as a comedian. But if the goal is to get this guy out of office, then, you know, but I mean, I guess the goal when it's all said and done is you're doing a show and you're making millions of dollars and that's, that's that. Oliver kind of annoys me and Bill Maher makes me laugh. Interesting. Uh, elaborate on that, Gangster Pete. I just, I mean, I just feel like Oliver is just nonstop shitting on Trump. And then I think Bill Maher, he's a little more nuanced. He'll have Republicans on the show. I mean. Yeah, but but Oliver doesn't have guests on. I understand. He just, he, I just find him kind of annoying. Yeah. I just, I, I, he just rubs me the wrong way. I guess I just find it, it's, I just think it's very smart, for lack of a better term. Like, I don't see it coming, so to speak. Um See, I feel like it's the same thing every week. See, I, and I feel like it's different because it's not necessarily. Now, recently it has been, but I feel like there's some weeks where I'm like, God, how's he going into like, I don't even know. There have been times where you're just going, oh, geez, what are we talking about this week? So there'll be ones where I tap out of it. Uh, let's see. We've got so many emails. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to pivot off where we have been. And I know I got a billion of them. Oh, uh, man, I got a lot of the Trump ones, that's for sure. Um, mm -hmm, well, let me tell you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell people about James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent, uh, and I recommend him to our audience in a major way. 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. 
And James has some exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri. And James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there has never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. It's James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And then we have Mark Hanna of the Evergreen Wealth Strategies Group here in St. Louis, who is just a fine, fine person as well. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Go online at evergreenstl.com. His number is 314-889-0503. Everybody needs a financial advisor, but the fact that you can get somebody as good as Mark, not just as an advisor, but as a person, uh, makes him somebody that I am thrilled that are so many members of our audience have gotten on board with. And then will email me and tell me, I'm so grateful that you've talked about Mark because now he is my person and he is so helpful and he's so kind. And, uh, and it's just about getting a plan together. You know, it's just about getting organized and that's what he does. And, and man, that is the biggest step I've, you know, I've noticed cause I track it now just so just absurdly, um, entering in, you know, everything and watching it and then comparing year over year at this time last year and then so on and so forth. And just going, what if I would have been doing this at 23 years old when I left the university of Missouri and where would things be? It's just, it's just, it, it, it bothers me. There's no other way to describe it. And I know a lot of you, hell, I read an email from somebody who's 23. A lot of you are in that spot right now. You can get in the best place possible by getting in with someone like Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. And even if it's just setting aside, I mean, what you think is a trivial amount of money, it really does have a significant impact in such a major way. Um, it's just in, you know what? You just, you can't get the time back and the time is so valuable. Uh, so get on board. You'll be happy you did. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. All right, let me see what else I got here, Gangster Pete. Um... Ah, boy, I've got, we've gotten a lot of, mm, mm, mm. all right, I think this is a good one. I just, I, we got a lot and I'm trying to get to them and I'm trying to get to uh, diverse in some capacity. I absolutely loved QFTA this week and not just because you read my question. You absolutely nailed what I was going for with your interview with Clay Travis. There was a point where you seemed to strike a nerve with him and he didn't want to give an honest answer about the business portion of OutKick. I would agree with that part right there. I actually, that, that's a good way to describe it, that there was a moment, albeit, as I said in last week's questions from the audience, where I felt like, like I, it was almost like Bob Costas and Vince McMahon, or who was it? Armin Katayan and Vince McMahon, where Armin was pointing out, you know, hey, this is kind of, and he would, no, he didn't slap the papers out of my hand like Vince yeah. McMahon did with Armin Katayan, but he, you know, where it was kind of like, you could tell he was uncomfortable because we were kind of going behind the curtain and, you know, and does he really believe what he says and tweets and so on and so forth. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. All I know is we had a great conversation and later that night we had another great conversation and, um, you know, that's what I can tell you about that day. Number two, the homework guy who wrote in about his in-laws being MAGA, uh, people, and all of the reasons resonated me with me in so many ways. I was raised Republican and legitimately liked Romney and McCain. Obama winning didn't piss me off, but that's where I was. Trump's whole deal in 2016 kind of opened my eyes. My parents are similar to Chad's in-laws. Chad was the gentleman who wrote last week. 
And unfortunately, we got into a row, row, row. Row. Thank you. With my dad when we were vacationing in Sanibel, of all places. Uh, them George and Wendy's wings are the best. Bottom line, I think 75% of West County listeners can relate to Chad's experience with friends, family, in-laws, etc. Number three, you referring to Trump rallies as something like an evangelical awakening was a perfect description. It is really bizarre to watch. Number four, I think Midwest cities like St. Louis and Kansas City, I live in Columbia. Boy, gangster Pete, we're big in Como. Yeah. Are so ripe for the influx of big city residents who realize they can get a mansion for the price of their small loft in the city. I think this is the third time in as many weeks that I've emailed you, so I'm going to take a breather for a bit, but I genuinely appreciate the political talk that you put forth. It's hard to find any discussion that is reasonable and not Ben Shapiro or Podcast America level of partisan. Sorry for the long email. Again, I'm going to take a break from bothering you. Thank God, I'm Todd. Honestly, we get so many, and I just go <laughs> through them that I don't remember. Um, and I'm not saying that to be flippant, like we have so many fans, but we're just we, there's been a noticeable uptick in emails biggest one yet was this past week, which is great because we love doing it. Um, and I, I love that it is resonating with people and that's a great compliment, um, with regard to the, the, what I think is an honest uh, assessment of, of the show that there is not a, you know, there isn't like, how can you like Trump? Biden's great. It's kind of like, we're sitting here going, this fucking sucks. It's shame. And I don't know how this happened. Here are theories as to why. Why do you think it is? Which I guess is different than the way people do it. And this gets me into the political thing on TMA and then on the fan page. Um, because we had a situation last week, Pete, where somebody wrote in, and this person has since written me a long email to apologize, but he was I don't think he was doing it intentionally. Wrote in about, hey, they texted in, during the, the radio show, the reaction to Jay's post on TMA. Wow. And I'm like, what did Jay write about TMA? And why would there be some huge reaction? Like, you know, it's weird because Jay's, you know, from my standpoint, Jay's part of the show. And it wound up being a post that Jay wrote about, um, about, you know, the social unrest. And, um, and if I'm not mistaken, it was about the situation in Kenosha, if I'm not mistaken. And it was on his personal page. Right. And so we were searching for it on the air live and then Rockio found it on his personal page. And right when I saw it and then <laughs> began to read, I go, oh, shit. I mean, my inner monologue was, oh, fuck, because I think it was about 830 that I read it. And this was the morning after the Milwaukee Bucks had decided not to play. And then a bunch of sporting events were postponed because players decided not to play. Right. Well, I mean, even though we're not really a sports talk show, that's certainly in a normal circumstance would be a topic we probably would lead with, even though it's the NBA. And because I am of, and this is me personally, you may disagree, and I'm not even talking about, you, you certainly can be you, Pete, but it, it can be the audience. From my standpoint, the discussions on politics on TMA are a disaster, and I hate them. I don't just dislike them. I hate them. <laughs> I, have, I have never disliked hosting this show more than the last five, six months. And it's not even close with regard to content. I guess the only thing that would be comparable was when the cat was getting his new bathroom in 2007, Martin quit producer Joe had been fired. And I was just, I was as close as you can be to being depressed. I will. I, that's what I was at that time, but it wasn't about the content. It was about the circumstances surrounding the show. This has been 
brutal. And Pete is aware of uh, some of the circumstances that certainly are outside of the show. There is, there is, there is an element of that, but the bigger issue is the content. And so I will see news and read news and go, I really would like to talk about this, but I can't talk about it. Um, now you can go, why can't you? And I, and I, and I want to respond. That's why I wanted to use this, this, this format. And then it's a weird thing that's also going on with part of, and I think it's part of the fan page audience of, of a wing of it though. Cause Doug and I have been talking about this. Doug and I actually have some really good conversations in the commercial breaks because Doug's modus operandi is just block them. That's where he is. And I understand that. And it does sound simple, but what Doug doesn't understand because he's not, he hasn't had the inside STL message board. He hasn't been responsible for the TMA fan page is blocking doesn't end it. I would actually say it sometimes starts it at a worse intensity. Um, because then the people, I actually had to tell a guy because it got so bad with emails. I said, I've, I've asked you before, you know, and I'm not going to make a threat like to go legal, but just like, I've asked you before to stop emailing me, stop emailing me, you know? And, and it's kind of like, okay, next time I'm probably, am going to, cause it's just, it's, it's, it's insanity. It's, it's, and it's so, you know, it's just, it's not healthy. And I don't know why this goes on. I know they're all from burner accounts, but it, it, the, the tough thing is, is the audience isn't privy to what we see. Um, and, and Peter, you surprised, I know, I know you don't see my emails, but are you surprised by what you see? Cause you do have the text inbox open and you see it. Are you surprised by it? You have two years under your belt. You've had 18 months of non COVID non Trump Biden. I mean, nothing on there really surprises me now. Yeah. Um, but six months ago, were you surprised by what you were seeing? No, not really. No. I mean, I, I see, I'm not surprised by it, but I'm so used to it. That's why right. like, I was, I was talking with somebody who's in the business and I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's hate mail. It's whatever. And this person goes, you get hate mail? And I go, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the, it's just, it's essentially the cost of doing business. But most people who are listening to this have never received that. But for, for me and for probably the cat and Doug to an extent, um, it's, it's just been part of our lives. It's part of the deal, you know, like the Miss Butler voicemail, for example, like I can think of things like that in my career, like we play it as a joke, but we, we get those things and, and I get that one sounds funny, but there are ones that are certainly hostile and can kind of scary, but, it, but at the same time, it's essentially the cost of doing business. If you have a show that gains a following and you get into issues that certainly don't have a universal opinion, uh, you're going, especially at a time like now, when, my God, when has there been an angrier time? I, I, I guess the only thing I can present would be going back to the late 60s, early 70s. Um, so for most of the listeners' lifespans, this is, this is our first time going through something comparable to this with this intensity. I mean, you take your pick of, I don't know if you want to go 2016, you want to go 2008, you want to go the Iraqi war in 2003. I don't know. But this to me is, this is, this is easily, there's, there's not even, so I don't even, whatever is in second place, it's not even close to this time. And the tough thing I've, I've discovered this about myself. I am at my worst psychologically when I have a lot to say, but I don't feel like I can say it. <laughs> I see it on your face. Yeah. And it, and it applies in so many different ways right now. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. And I am. And so, uh, so last week when that came up, the goal, not the goal, just the plan hosting the show running point was to not get into the topic. 
And what I discovered in March when the pandemic became really a big part of the show, of course, I mean, what else is there to talk about at that time? They, I thought the discussions were very healthy. I really, I actually enjoyed it, even though you're talking about something that's horrible. I guess now with hindsight, we realize how horrible it is. I don't, I don't think many people would have thought at that time, Pete, and we started talking about it, I think around, can't remember, I always feel like there's a date that we played Osterholm on Rogan. It was like March right. 8th, 9th, 10th or something like that, that we would still be talking about it on September 1st. And by the way, now on September 1st going, well, shit, there's no end in sight. It's just people have kind of like tricked themselves into, you know, thinking that there is an end in sight, even though if you like lay it out, it's like there's no end in sight, at least at this moment. But that's six months ago now. I mean, we yeah. are essentially at six months ago. And I kind of expect that that's where we'll be in March. I hope we're not, but I'm certainly kind of thinking that that, you know, that the Cardinals aren't going to be playing baseball in Jupiter. Or if they are, it won't be like with fans and all of that. So with that all said, about three weeks into that discussion, it got really political and it got super ugly. And the hate mail was at a level that I'd certainly experienced before, I guess, but not the volume of it and consistency and the, the like craziness of it. And I'm just like, fuck, we can't have this conversation because there are people who are are just are convinced that it isn't real or convinced that this is a political agenda. Um, and whether it be my political agenda or Doug's political agenda, uh, my co-host who I know and have known since 2000 very well in, in Doug, um, because we worked for five years at KMOV together, gets called a racist regularly, by the way. Um and I, I know the guy and, and I also know what having that attached to you can do to your career. And I don't want to be complicit in it when, when, you know, and listen, first off, I don't believe that Doug Vaughn is a racist. I can't be any clearer on that. Uh, I, I mean, to even like have that be put out there is, is not healthy. Um, so he has a different political opinion. And then it's just like the people we were talking about earlier to, to include uh, well, I don't want, you know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for, but they probably do, but they don't want to be called the racist. So Doug is unapologetic for his political views. Well, what happens in 2020, you get called the racist. And here I am, I've known the man for 20 years. I'm like, Doug hasn't said or done anything that I would consider to be racist in 20 years. Anything. Um, do we have different opinions? Yes. But just because we have different opinions, I don't default click to he's a racist. But that's what happens when these discussions come up and they might not even be about race. That's what happens. But I realize the audience doesn't see it. So I can't be mad at the audience because the audience's reality is not our reality. So, so then the, the, the conversation on that topic, Doug starts talking about it. The cat's at home, so we can't see the cat. The cat obviously usually jumps into conversations, but we can see him. So we see it happening and you can kind of like somebody will put up like a finger, like they're going to talk or something like that. We've seen it. We've done this for so long together. We kind of know the patterns, the physical traits of, you know, when somebody's going to talk um, or even a breath, you can tell somebody's about to talk. It's, it's, it's as little as that. Well, I can't with the cat at home. I know I don't want to talk about it because here's my honest answer to it. I don't know everything about, I, I, of course, none of us know everything about what happened, but I really feel like I don't know a lot about the situation Kenosha and I have so many different opinions about it. But I know this, if I give my opinion that would be perceived as supportive of the police, I then could be labeled a racist. Okay. That's 2020. And then if I give my opinion of, 
you know, I mean, at this point, do we just think like the, the black population is just making this up and, and like this has been like a, an inside job that the the, the, they, the police thing is not, you know, is, 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 is a problem, is actually fake. And there's truth coming from both places and it's nuanced as fuck. And so I know on TMA, it doesn't it doesn't go, OK, Doug, let me hear you. OK. And then he stops after he says, OK, well, let me what happens is unlike a podcast or unlike where you can write out your thoughts, it becomes like, okay, who's going to win the debate, which isn't how I view things. That's not how, like initially when I started the podcast and had people in and the interviews where I'm just listening to somebody like Ed Martin, who I just couldn't disagree with more. And I'm letting him say his things and listening and then asking follows, but I'm not like challenging him. Like what you would expect, like if this were Chuck Todd, and people are like, why aren't you challenging him? I'm like, well, that's that style of interview. That's not my, my style of interview. is more of a Howard Stern style of interview. You know, he didn't bring somebody in and, you know, when he had Hillary Clinton, he wouldn't go, you know, your policies on this, your policy on this. Let me get into, you know, Benghazi, you know, that's, I'm, I'm listening. That's, that's where I am. But I know that's not what most political discussions are right now. And so then I get called a coward because I'm not participating. That's the new thing. Well, you're a coward. And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> the honest answer is I, I honestly don't know. And I'm, I'm not saying I don't know to like bail out. The truth is I don't know. And the other thing is I don't know how to convey what I'm thinking. And it's a very important topic and it's not something you just spout off about. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm also thinking I wasn't planning on discussing it. That was by design and then by accident. And I'm, hey, the buck stops here. I'm the guy running point by accident. The topic got brought up. Because somebody texted in and then the person felt terrible about it. Uh, and then apologize, you know, sent another email over the weekend apologizing about it. But it became incredibly awkward. At least I think it became incredibly awkward. Pete, did you think it was awkward? Well, it got awkward when there's like that just dead air. Because I thought anything. the cat was talking to Doug. Because that's who was interacting. Right. And and But the cat isn't here. And then the cat stopped talking. And I'm like, okay, is he thinking or is he done? And if he were in the studio, I'd... You know, right. I, I, I looked over to you to see what you were doing. And I'm you're, just like, you're in your phone, you know, because you make great reasons why there's no it's not worth it to get in and on TMA, which I agree with. Uh, but I didn't know if you just like stopped listening or what. No, so I was I was listening. Like, I, I was I was honestly there was another time. It actually was a biff call. I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> I'll tell the audience, you and the audience, obviously, about three weeks ago. Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was angry. I was angry. Not at what he was saying, because he's welcome to his opinions. Right. But it's because I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say lost control of the show, because it's not my show to control, but it's my responsibility. Because if Doug wants to talk, if Doug wanted to talk about it, I wouldn't go, we're not talking about it. Or if the cat wanted to talk, or if you wanted to talk, or Iggy wanted to talk about it, you know, or back in the day when we had the Plowhawk and he was giving takes. Rocchio isn't really a takesmith, but, you know, he gets involved in discussions, certainly. Uh, that, you know, then it's a, for me, I'm not, but I'm the point guy. And I'm like, I, I, I know what's happened because I know I, I see the spark. So I guess I can see the fire before maybe the audience can, but and that just comes from, this is what I do. So I know what's going to happen. And when I saw, when I went to Jay's page and Rocky shows me what it is and Jay just was writing and he has every right to write what he wants to write on his personal page, but it never would have come up if the person didn't text it in. And I'm thinking, Oh shit. Cause now, now, now we got it. And now I know what's going to happen. 
And then, then it would then, but I, I didn't foresee the awkwardness between Doug and the cat that I couldn't have, I, I wasn't like, okay, we'll talk about because the cat's not in studio, but then as it's playing out, I'm like, okay, is the cat done? I don't want to jump in on him because what people, you know, and then I was trying to draw an analogy to it, but then it's like, well, that's, that, that's a joking topic. This is a serious topic. You know, I'd like to hear your opinions on it. And it's like, my honest opinion is I don't know. It's too important. And when we start talking about politics on TMA, it becomes about scoring points. It doesn't become about listening. And that's not what I, I'm not into that. I'm not into that, which, you know, and if, and if, and if, if the game has passed me by, so to speak, because that's the way that the game is played now, then that's fine. I had 20 years and it was great. I'm, and I'm saying that not from a, I'm, you know, it's just, that's how I view it. Like if the game is, you got to tweet all the time and you got to post videos of like yourself all the time and, you know, and give a take for everything. All the, I'm, that's just not where I am. It's not what I want to do. This is not me. M me is my wife and my son, and my family. That's me. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, in them being slaves to me having to give a take on the Cardinal game or a take on a debate. You know, that's not, that's not what I want to do. I have zero interest in that. I have zero interest in becoming the next Clay Travis or Dave Portnoy. And not to say that I could, but it's just not who I am. It's not what I want to do. It's not, it, it, maybe it was 15 years ago, but it's not where I am in life. So I don't feel obligated to have a take, especially if I don't feel like I have a quality one. And, as, and in that case, with that specific incident, I feel like I'm ignorant as fuck. So why would I throw some ignorant logs on the fire? Um, you know, it's not like we'd broken down the Kenosha situation at all on the show. And so that, that was the reasoning. But it, it stood out more because you had the awkward silences. And I was mad at myself, even though I know that it wasn't done intentionally on the part of the texter, but as the person running point that I let it get away because at the end of everything, it is my responsibility. And then it puts in a, and I hate it, you know, when, when a guy I know who I know is a good person is, as we say every week, I feel like an A plus coworker gets called a racist, you know, just don't, I, I have a real problem with that. Yeah. Because that's destructive, not only to a career, but to a, it's just, it's a real, that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, and I thought a fucking obvious statement. Somebody getting called a racist is a bad thing, but I mean, it's a bad thing. So Doug's whatever on Twitter or, you know, it, you know, you may, you may dislike it a lot. Okay, fine. But as far as calling somebody a racist, that's a big thing. And that's what happens when these discussions come up. That's, that's, that's the artillery that's fired. And it puts me in a bad place when I see it. Um, and so that is, that's the mindset with regard to, um, what's happened on the fan page. And Pete, I know you are, you know, they quite outspoken about your feelings toward the fan page. Iggy left it for a while, came back. Doug is a member, but never is on it. Uh, and the cat is not on Facebook in general and the Plowhawk, you know, got sideways with some people, but he's still on it. And Mike and Rocky was on it, but doesn't really post much. So I think I've covered all of the bases. Um, but, um, what, what happened? Oh, I asked a poll question just out of nowhere, like on a Sunday morning, two weeks ago, two weeks ago at this point now, 16 days ago. And it wasn't like, okay, we're going to implement the policy. I was just curious. Would you like to see politics removed from the TMA fan page? And immediately, overwhelmingly, the answer was no. No, like 80%. I'm like, well, fuck, I'll, there's no point here. And I know the thread's going to go off the rails. So I'll just take the thread down. 
But I mean, there were probably a couple hundred votes and I got my answer and, you know, I saw the thread kind of getting into a place and I'm like, let me take this thing down. So for me, how often would you say you read it? I know you don't post and I know you're not a, you know, active member per se, but do you read it or do you not even mess with it? I mean, if I get tagged in something like you tagged me in something yesterday, so yes, I, you I enjoy scroll. the horse racing picks. <laughs> yeah. I tagged you in that. So I, <laughs> I scrolled through it for a minute and then during the show, sometimes I'll monitor it to see what's going on. But, uh, no, I never just go to it usually. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, the, I, lately, especially, I don't even like, I just found out one of the guys who I know pretty well on there, uh, had COVID. I, I didn't know until like the last few days and, you know, but I guess it had been a common topic. I just, I'm not, I'm not on it. And I guess the reason is, is because there's so many political threads and I feel like it got even worse somehow over the last week. And I guess you could certainly say, well, Kenosha, the Republican National Convention, it's all happening and it is the topic. I mean, this is 1969, man, or 68, take your pick, whatever you want to go with it. Um, early 70s, whatever. Um, it is just intense. And so I'm like, okay, I've got some time. Anna Marie's out of town. I'm hanging out, you know, just having coffee on Sunday morning. And I have some time and I just, I'm like, okay, two weeks later, I won. Because to me, I'm like, this has actually gotten worse in two weeks. So I wrote... Would you like to see politics removed from the page? Two weeks ago, it was 80-20 no. I'm just curious if it's changed. And it was like 75%. Yes. It, it, it didn't drop 5%. It moved 155%. Now, to be clear, you know the same exact people didn't vote. So this wasn't like an apples to apples thing. But it was a clearly substantial move. And that really surprised me. It opened my eyes. And I want to be clear. I'll say it again. I said it on the radio. I'll say it again. It's not to say that just when I ask for that doesn't mean these things become reality because you have to then go, okay, well, if that's the case, how do you actually legislate it? That's a slippery slope. Right. I mean, so, you know, but the overall premise is that in two weeks, a huge number of people saw it kind of had enough. That's something else. And again, I don't think it's exact. There's however many members on that thing, 7,000 or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I mean, of the 7,000, you know, maybe 6,000 of those 7,000 just go, I'm never going to post. And probably 5,000 of those 6,000 don't even know they're a member of it and turned it off a long time ago. You know what I mean? And like eight guys just post all the time, every day, nonstop. So with that all said, I, I was I was surprised by that result. And then that led to a conversation. But then it kind of got like heated about well, why aren't you wanting to talk about it? I just I'm like, I'm exhausted by it. That's where I am. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm really exhausted by being accused of being a coward because I don't want to talk about it. I'm exhausted by going to a page that was started about our radio show that is now people attacking each other. <laughs> um, and it's not all that, but you know, it's, it's, just, and, 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 and then going back to like, I don't like participating in a discussion where a co-host of mine who is not a racist gets called a racist and I feel complicit. I don't like um, essentially being the, the host or owner of owner of something that brings in no money, but nonetheless owner of, or host of something that, that is complicit in like, now we have QAnon threads that are like seriously being discussed. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I, I got to wear that and I'm not comfortable with it and I don't like it. But at the same time, I know a lot of the people on there and whether it's because I've met them or I've communicated with them. And I really do think it is a group of overwhelmingly good people, overwhelmingly good people. For as real. much as I don't like the page, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it really like cool people, like people I'd hang out with people. Um, 
in the group setting, sometimes it gets off the rails. And then that goes to something else I said, because Timmy Recap said, I think the reason for the vote shift is the lemonading and people thinking they're just going to vote with what they think you want. And I'm just like, I don't know if, you know, you'd have a whatever the, we go from 80% for no to 75% for yes, because of lemmings. And I would actually say that I think there is a healthy percentage of people there. And I don't, I have theories as to how it's happened. I don't know how it's happened who are actually more anti me. And if anything would go with the opposite of what they think I want. So I don't think that's what it was. Um, and as I said, and it factors into business decisions because if you have people pulling against you, they can, at least in their own world or their own bubble, or if they wanted to try to make that, which they don't like a reality and take you down. And that's a real thing. So I don't enjoy it. As you can imagine, why would I enjoy it? I'm not going to hide that. I don't enjoy it. It is. It, I don't know how it happened. I just know that it's happened. You, so you're, you're nodding, Pete, you see it. That's interesting yeah, that you right. see it. Yeah. I, and I don't know why or how, uh, which is why when I, earlier in the podcast, I was talking about the lemming thing and it bothers me in the sense that people go out of their way to prove that they're not lemmings. And so then it's like, well, I can't agree with him even if I agree with him. And so I spend a lot of time in my DMS where people will agree with me because they don't want to publicly agree with me or my emails. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not, that's not, to me, that's not a healthy atmosphere if you're, if you're considering running a business. Um, and you might think, and I'm not talking to you, Pete, I'm talking to the audience in general. You might think that's fucking crazy. Well, I'm telling you it's a real thing. So whether you think it's crazy or not, I'm telling you it's that real to me that it is a consideration. It is not by any means the only consideration, but it is a real thing. Um, and you know, and I said, and who the fuck was I talking to? This is like within the last day or two. I said, I could say so much. Pete knows. Uh, and I think it would, I think people would go, holy shit, I fucking hate the guy, but my God. Um, but in order to do that, like a whole lot would have to come out and I can't do it. I mean, I guess I can, but there's, there'll be ramifications. Can't do it. So, you know, um, so you combine that with the, the stuff last week. And that is, that is as Pete said, you can see it on my face. The audience can't see it on my face, but you can see it on my face. I am, I am. So in that political thread of what, you know, what to do with the political post, I just said, I said, I'm exhausted. I said, I can't speak for Neil Allen, Craig Puckett. I can tell you this in case anybody is under the impression. Otherwise we do not make money off of the fan page. We do not. Now you might say, oh, you should. But even if we did, there is a split with KFNS. Um, and, um, and as you know, you can look at it. There's not advertising all over the place anyway. So, you know, that's, it's just, it's not, it's not, it does not impact my life. Now you can say, well, you wouldn't be able to communicate with your audience. And I agree with that. And, um, but, and, and, and but I mean, I'm sitting there thinking this like this, how, here I am. I know what I'm doing is in good faith and acting in good faith, especially in trying to keep things together for as long as we have. And somehow I've become the bad guy. And I'm just like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, it'd be one thing if like, I was like, yeah, fuck, I did this. And you know, I guess people now know about it. So I'm the bad guy. And I guess I'm gonna have to deal with it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm fucking tired of being the bad guy. I'm tired of being called a coward. I'm tired of having to admin a Facebook page. And it's just exhausting. It is exhausting. I know Pete is exhausted for different reasons. Um, you know, and it's just exhausting. But then you still try to operate in good faith across the board tell people what you really think. And so when it comes to some of these topics, the honest answer is 
I don't know. But it's not like, shit, if I tell you I really think this, I might lose my job. That is, that's just not where I am. The honest answer is, I don't want to give you an opinion if I don't really think it, or I don't want to opine if I don't really know the background on the topic. And so that is that is where I am. And in the case of the um, the discussion last week with the Bucks and then, then the, the, the Jay post and Doug's response and the awkward silence with the cat being on the phone at his house, that was just that was just a mistake. There's no other way to describe it. That was just a mistake. And that's on me. I mean, I know it wasn't intentional, but it was just a mistake. And I'm the point person on the show. So, you know, I, as, I, as I said, I said, I'll talk politics all day long, as we do. Probably 75% of the, our podcasts each week at this point are politically inclined in some capacity. But that's because we're just having a conversation. Doug's style of discussing politics is, is not my style of discussing politics. But that doesn't make Doug good and me bad and me good and Doug bad. It's just a different style. And you might go, well, Doug says things that aren't true. Or Doug has the balls to say things. You know, whatever, whatever your perspective is, we just have a different style on it. Now, when it comes to how we handle TMA, fuck, man, put me in a blindfold and I know where Doug is on the floor and I'm going to get him the ball and he's going to hit the shot. But when it comes to politics, we just have a different view and a different style of talking about it. And I know here's a guy who's a great man uh, who then gets labeled a racist. Or gets attacked for other reasons, and I'm just like, I'm, and, and because I'm talking about it, you know, so I, it, it just puts, I'm just not comfortable with it. And I feel complicit in addition to then the fan page and QAnon threads, and it's like, okay, I pull these, but why are you pulling the QAnon threads? So it's just, it's, I, mean, I don't know how, I mean, fucking, it's September 1st. We got a long way till November 3rd. So anyway, I wanted to explain it, can do a better job, I think, by talking about it than, um, than by writing about it. And I know for some people, they're like, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, but I'm cutting my grass and I listen. And so, uh, so there it all is. Uh, Gangster Pete, any thoughts? I really respect and enjoy your thoughts, but I also know once we get to a certain point, you're kind of like, all right, that's too much. We've gone too long. Uh, no, man. I mean, I think that uh, your feelings are justified. I mean, I'm more of the camp that fuck those people. <laughs> uh, it's, and that's, and that's the thing. So Doug and I both yesterday and today, actually, we've had a conversation about it. And I said, yeah, I said, they call you a racist. And he goes, he's like, he's like he, and it's not like he goes, what? He goes, just block them. You know? <laughs> and, I go, I go, I, and I go, I get it. And I, and listen, I, and I'm sure a lot of people are going, yeah, you should just block. I go, I get it. But you don't understand what then happens. The, then, then the emails start up or the DMs or the burner accounts on Twitter. And it's, 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 it's like you create, I give birth to, you know, more intense shit that now is private. And, and so it does not go away or it's secret or whatever it is. And it's, it's, so it's not like it's a solution and it's, it's not, it's not, a, you know, it's just not pleasant. So, uh, the, the block solution, while it may sound good, actually creates oftentimes, um, more issues. Anyway, I enjoy doing this. If anything, it's therapeutic, as I always say, uh, and you can email your questions in T McKernan at inside STL.com TMCK ERNAN at inside STL.com. We did get an erotic story. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, so thank you to uh, Dave. Uh, and you can send yours in your questions, your comments as well. Final sponsor uh, to talk about today, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. They believe in keeping the content fresh, recharging the batteries, and leaving the audience wanting more. Uh, here's a recent review by Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes, I was told I should want my boss's seat. And if I didn't, there was a problem with that. So when that day came and I entered what is now my new office, I discovered the floor was covered in water. 
I called the office to my left, but Monique, Monique Medina, was too busy with her social media emojis to answer my questions. I called the office to my right, but Frank Frangie didn't pick up. There was only one thing left to do, and that was call the water damage experts at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. They responded quickly to assess the situation. Turned out a broken ice maker lying down the hall had been leaking and running under the walls of several offices. There's no problem for Restoration One. Jim Rogers and his team put a stop to it and fixed the damage that it caused. Thank you, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Thank you for the delicious service. That's Restoration One of Central St. Louis, 314-888-5266 or Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Thank you to Gangster Pete for sitting in for the fun and games here, as always, on questions from the audience. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton, Carlton Sage, Farm Insurance Agent uh, in Webster Groves, online at CarltonInsurance.net, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at DesignAirService.com, and Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.